how this has never been a topic before on the overnight scape central it, it, it's that that's just weird <laughs> weirdos is the topic this week and uh yeah it could be said that uh all of us outgoing monologists who uh populate uh this channel have been called if not are still in some circles considered and called weirdos yeah and uh, our appreciation for weirdos i mean gene shepherd yeah, weirdo frank zappa weird i, I mean if i go through uh, the pq river hall of fame uh yeah this is just a bunch of weirdos and uh, the music and the oh boy yeah uh but that's the topic and we're gonna delve and dive i mean hey our crumb back in the day did a magazine called weirdo in fact that was i wrote a letter to him at weirdo hoping he would publish my weirdo stuff but uh, that didn't work out although we did have a brief correspondence back and forth he was very kind he and i think he does that with just about anybody it doesn't make me special if you send our crumb a handwritten letter he feels compelled to send you back a hand written uh, he uses usually blank postcards and writes in teeny tiny type with a rapidiograph on the back of uh, you know prepaid postcards which does save on postage to a great degree especially if you can write real beansy beansy so uh, yes weirdness weirdos and all of that is a fitting topic and uh, we've got some of our best overnightscape underground weirdos uh, so to speak to uh, help us celebrate this and to start things off right out of the gate uh, over here in gate seven we have the one and only doc sleaze and let me tell you this guy is a weirdo get out of here you goddamn weirdo yeah, I bet we've all heard that shouted at one time or another. Maybe we've had it shouted at ourselves. It's the interesting thing. On the one hand, there's the temptation to look at weirdos as, hey, those harmless characters who, you know, they, they just do something a bit weird. You know, they, they dress funny. They, I don't know, they have some unusual hobby. Uh, you know, but the reality is, it's generally used in society at large as a pejorative term. It's often linked with freak. In fact, it's used synonymously with the term freak. And let's bear in mind for a moment where the term freak in popular usage derives from is things like freak shows, where people with physical abnormalities were put on display for the amusement of the paying public. So it's quite clear here, with, with a weirdo really in, in the widest public sen sense is someone who doesn't conform to societal norms. And that isn't seen as a good thing necessarily. And who is it who sets societal norms? Well, I know the obvious answer is society, but it's not quite that simple. Societal norms are influenced by a lot of what people 
perceive as being normal, it's reinforced. Um, often it's set from the top, you know. Um, the authorities can set it through legislation and so on, and the legal process can define what is and isn't normal behaviour. And if you step outside of it, you might just be a criminal. Uh, you might be a weirdo. Um, society sets all sorts of rules. The authorities set the rules. They're reinforced through the law, reinforced through our institutions like schools and so on. And the media, the media has a big influence on deciding who it thinks are the weirdos, what it thinks are the norms of behaviour. Particularly, I, can, oh, I have to speak, speak really here in the UK, um, tabloid newspapers have some strange ideas about what's what constitutes societal norms. I remember some years ago, there was someone in the, I can't remember what it's for, it's probably because it was someone who possibly been linked to, to some kind of terrorist act or involvement in terrorism or something, allegedly. And part of the, according to the newspapers, one, one particular table latched on the fact that he liked to build plastic kits of tanks. That, may, that just showed he must be a goddamn weirdo, because what kind of normal person does that? Well, quite a lot, I'd say, actually, judging by the number of plastic kits of tanks that are on sale and they're sold openly in shops <laughs> on the internet in this country. You know, it's a very popular hobby for young people and, and, and even adults, and particularly adults. A lot of those kits are very a, expensive, B complex, quite a lot of skill to put together. The same <clears throat> mindset on the part of the media, especially in this country, the print media, would um, would characterise as weirdos or, I don't know, people who play computer... Well, people... They, they'll accept that kids play computer games or video games, being okay. But, you know, adults who play them, God, they're goddamn weirdos! Again, you know, the evidence says something different. Uh, yeah, it's a generational thing. For a whole generation of people, this is perfectly the norm to uh, to play video games, even when you're an adult. And again, it requires a degree of skill, etc. So they're very complicated, some of them, as well as was all of us who are involved here on site. No, um, you know. But there are people out there who decide what the norm is and what the norm is and who and who, who is and who isn't the weirdos. And generally, the weirdos are bad because, you know, they start off small doing something like building plastic kits of tanks or, or playing with model trains. That's another one marks you out as a weirdo, according to the media. And uh, next thing you know, good God, we're out there murdering old ladies, blowing up post offices or, or whatever, um, you know. <laughs> But yeah, weirdos, absolute weirdos, these people. But that's it. Being a weirdo, not a good thing, according to the uh, society at large. And indeed, the um, particularly the media. In the US, I would say, look at um, the, the, 
things like the production code for films. And back in the day when when we had three main networks, TV networks in the States, um, they have to, is it the Federal Broadcasting Commission? I can remember what, what, what the US, here it'd be called, is Ofcom. Um, I can't remember the, um, off the top of my head, the, the US equivalent. But they lay down certain rules for what you can and cannot show on television and the sort of content you have in different types of program. And again, part of that is defining normal and abnormal behavior. You can't, if you show people, as if you show weirdos in a TV program, hey, they've got to be shown to be, you know, not necessarily good. They're certainly not normal. Goddamn weirdos. Get out of here. Weirdos, freaks. Yeah. But it works at a smaller level, doesn't it? Um, if you don't, if you do something different to, I don't know, your peer group, for instance, when you're at school. God, if you're a little bit different from that, you're a weirdo. You don't want to join in their games. You want to do something else. God, I'm weirdo. Not good at sports. Weirdo. You know, you're not good at sports, you'd rather, I don't know, play chess. Weirdo! Becomes a form of bullying to make you conform. And you get it when you go into adult life. Get it in the workplace. You must conform. That was the episode of The Simpsons, was it? Where Homer, his work shirt, one of his work shirts goes through the, the wash with something red and it comes up pink. It's the only work shirt that's been washed in iron so he has to wear it to work and he's the only one with a pink shirt at the nuclear plant everybody else has got a white shirt and immediately he stands out like a sore thumb because he isn't conforming he must be a troublemaker because conforming is good people in large groups they feel safe when you're conforming and they know everybody else is conforming to certain behaviors it's a good thing. People feel reassured. They feel threatened often when someone doesn't operate within what they think are the norms of behavior. And it may be quite innocuous, these differences. But they're saying it gets your mark down. Weirdo! At best, that's the best. You're a weirdo. At worst, you're a troublemaker. Hey, I know all about that in the workplace. <laughs> You know, you do something different, you, you approach something differently, um, you have a different idea, you have a different working procedure or something. The weird thing is, even just sticking, when it suits you, is I used to be working to rules, sticking to the rules to the letter. And um, not showing any, as they might say, goodwill. That makes you some kind of weirdo, some kind of troublemaker. Hang on, I'm sticking to the rules here, to the letter. Uh, which management do when it suits them. <laughs> and then they're conforming. They're the man. They can, you know, it's... Uh, yeah, being a weirdo. Not really a good thing. <laughs> yeah, the labelling of people as weirdos. Could be, is arguably a form of social control to try and force people into conformity. Because, as I say, cause it's, it's used as a pejorative term, you know. You can almost 
Imagine you know, people getting worked up by these goddamn weirdos and forming a mob and chasing them out of town or whatever. And actually that sort of thing does happen. Someone who is perceived, you, you sit, so I don't know, on, on housing estates in this country, you might get someone who moves in there or is living there who is perceived by his neighbours or usually just some of his neighbours as being a weirdo because I don't know he lives on his own, doesn't speak to anyone. Um, he could keep on hours, have what they think are odd hobbies, um, and suddenly they become a weirdo. And some of his neighbours might start saying, "Oh, he's a bloody weirdo. He probably he's, he, he's probably a pervert as well. He probably you know he's, he's I saw him the other day. He was out and he was walking past the kids' playground. He's some kind of pedo, pedophile." And a mob gets up and they get, well, if they're lucky, they get run out of the estate. If they're unlucky, worse will happen to them. As indeed, there was a case a few years ago that happened. Um, Some guy on an estate, I think it was in Bristol, was perceived by a particular gang of local residents as a a weirdo because he wasn't very sociable. And so, in fact, he he was an immigrant. He didn't speak English very well. And, um... Eventually, he was a, basically worked up, in, worked up cells uh, uh, in, into a sort of fury over this and organised a mob, and, and the poor guy was beaten to death. I mean, the police completely ignored all his um, attempts to report this harassment and whatever. Um, in fact, all they did was treat him as if he was a suspected uh, paedophile, as he was being accused of with no evidence whatsoever, because uh, he was a weirdo. Couldn't even speak English, probably bloody weirdo. Well, these foreigners, weirdo. God, dear, doesn't worship in the proper church, weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> Such cases are thankfully relatively rare and extreme, but they happen. They happen. So we should be careful when we bandy about the term weirdo. I know we all think it's amusing and harmless. I know I'm putting a real downer on this particular discussion, but my experience, both personal and observationally, is that it can be far from harmless, labelling people like this. And also, let us not forget some of the what we perceive as strange behaviours of people we mark out as weirdos, regardless of whether we think they're harmless and amusing or not, those behaviours are often the result of mental illness, which really isn't something to be laughed at. Sorry, I'm being very serious here, and I'm sorry about that, but <laughs> this is a subject that um, is close to my heart. It's, it does matter to me, because, yeah, and it's wrong to do this. I'm sorry, you, 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 it's marking people out as somehow being abnormal because of their behaviours, which they probably have no control over. But there you go. Anyway, until relatively recent times, of course, I was in a job where I experienced firsthand quite a few of these behaviours, quite a few of these people we might label weirdos. 
Now, to digress slightly, a mild obsession of mine of late has been a series of William Shatner called Weird or What that he made some years ago when he was merely in his 80s. I mean, he's in his 90s now. Um, <laughs> in which he um, he presents a series of, of, of items, usually three in each episode on a rough theme, of um, which, yeah, about at a paranormal phenomenon or incidents. And they look in to see whether there's a rational explanation, scientific explanation, etc. And he always, what I love about the series is the interludes with him in between the stories or when they cut back to him, when it's quite clear from his, his tone and the way he presents it, that, that um, he thinks it's all a load of bollocks, basically. And he always ends each item with a rapper saying, weird or what? So, in honour of, of, of William the Shat Shatner, because that's what we call him over here, the Shat. Uh, <laughs> it's not quite as catchy as the Hoff, which we call David Hasselhoff. But hey, the Shat, you know, it's a term of affection. We love William Shat here in the UK. He's, he's a bit of a character. We rather like him here. And um, when he's made, makes TV appearances here every so every so often, he's always amusing in a in a odd sort of way. But uh, so some of these behaviours I witnessed are they a case of you know someone who's just a hey a weirdo, someone who if they were higher up the um, the social scale. They might get away with strange behaviours because people would just say, hey, they're eccentric. You see, money and position carry certain privileges. You're not a weirdo, you're eccentric. Um, just like, you know, if you're wealthy, you might look at erotica. If you're working class, it's porn and it's filthy. It's, you know, <laughs> If you've got money, it's erotica and it's art. You know, whatever. Both have the same purpose to titillate. But, <laughs> weirdo or what? Um, you see, you're getting into a real tricky zone because, you know, that you're citing that the mentally ill, and I understand the mentally ill should never be... Uh, is it picked on, bullied, but picked on and bullied, there are levels of it. I mean, it's in a lot of ways, I mean, this, this is different than other, like, quote-unquote, discrimination uh, in certain ways, in that the mentally ill, in certain cases, in the cases normally when they become... Uh, well, when they get into problems with interactions, it is because they are mentally ill. Of course, they cannot, for whatever reason, behave. And at times, for whatever reason, uh, that behavior to other people uh, becomes unbearable, unacceptable. And yes, I mean, I don't that you are as kind and gentle as possible 
within the parameters of the moment. But, uh, you know, the mentally ill, especially those who are the outward, flaily, loud type, uh, it becomes more and more tricky in an expedient moment, per se, to be as kind and as one should. Uh, I don't know if that's a really complicated thing. Um, basically, if you're disruptive, mental illness is not going to stop people from being irritated by you. Uh no, you. I mean, hitting, uh, calling bad names probably doesn't help the matter. But uh, that human beings react to people who are different. We have to remember that while now, in our society, uh, it's not quite as crucial. But this was a survival skill. This was certainly a survival skill in an older human time. Something or someone different, uh, maybe loud, whatever, uh, uncontrollable, comes into the picture. The uh, initial reaction should be uh, fear, uh, wariness, uh, you certainly don't just go and hug that strange thing and uh, embrace it as if this is harmless. That, you know, our survival skills that somehow we learned coming up. If something is different, especially if it's different and loud, uh, it's going to trigger all that stuff. And that's, I think, where this all begins and i don't know this is a real tricky business uh because yeah that just like any other weirdo i i mean a sane weirdo like myself i kind of know when i am getting on somebody's nerves so you know for me when i am out and again i uh, because of my behavior i have run into a conflict uh and somebody is, say, prone to pick on me or call me a name, uh, you just got to get up and walk away and not turn it into a battle, I think, is more important than anything. I mean, this whole thing, I mean, these organizations that they are forming now to stop bullying between me and you, I would say they are just fanning the flames of bullying. In my experience as a kid who was bullied, any outside intercession from adults, social workers, teachers, parents, other well-meaning kids who aren't part of the thing who then intercede only make it worse for the kid who is being bullied. For example, I was being bullied in my Hebrew school by uh, a few of the kids, but one in particular, and it was really bugging me. And I made the mistake of bringing my parents into it and being upset. And my mom came in, 
called out the kid who was uh, picking on me in the middle of the Hebrew school class, took him out in the hall and took him by the scruff of the neck and picked him up and yelled at him. And uh, you can best believe that P.Q. River didn't live that down for the rest of his Hebrew school career. Uh, That completely separated me from ever being one of the gang or one of my peers or fitting in or finding my place in the pecking order. Bullying, at least from what I figure, and that kind of thing is part of that setting a pecking order when people are coming, and it's an ugly thing. There is nothing meaner than children in a group deciding who's going to be picked first for kickball and all of the rest of those things, but there are always those kids who are going to be picked last for kickball. However, I, looking back, have noticed that the ones who made no fuss about this fit in, were part of the gang, and everything after that period of testing went fine. The ones, like myself and others, who maintained this endless conflict and had others intercede and it just never stopped and it, 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 at a certain point, I don't know how I could have, but I'm seeing now that if I could have found a way to accept and work within the situation, uh, I may not have been as much of an outcast. Have I co-opted this thing altogether? Uh, by, yeah. But no, I, I, one thing I want to be made clear as long as I'm unloading here, I do not want to uh, say that I am standing up for people who pick on the mentally handicapped. However, it's more complicated than that was the only point that I, yeah. Oh man, am I a weirdo or what? Okay, I'll tell you one. Well, I can't mention any names or go into huge amounts of detail um, because even though I don't do this job anymore, I am still bound legally by rules of confidentiality. Right. I was, um, in my capacity as a court officer, repossessing on behalf of a housing association which, if you don't know, in the UK, housing associations provide um, public housing, um, like councils used to do. Um, you know, generally low-cost public housing. Anyway, I was repossessing this flat or apartment, as you might say, in the states, and I tell you, when we were—I mean, obviously as always happens with these. The reason it's being repossessed was the guy hadn't paid his rent. Nobody had seen him in months. There'd been no contact. You know, they tried to contact from the houses. So they eventually had to go to the courts, get a possession order, get a warrant. And I'm there as the, as the court officer in charge with the warrant. And the guys, obviously, we had to, they had to um, drill the locks to get in, you know. And I tell you, you could smell something even before we got in there, you know? And um, 
Thank you. That door opened and this cloud of flies came out. And so, you know, so me and the, 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 the guys who'd done the lock, you know, they, they, they weren't professional locksmiths. They were guys employed by the housing association. They were their sort of general, um, not handy men. Um, they were all quite special. They usually carpenters, a lot of them. Carpenters can get you through locks often. Anyway, um, and these flies came out. And um, me and the, the sort of senior guy, the guy called Viv, we looked at each other and sort of sniffed the air. And Viv was worried that, you know, there's a dead body. He was dead in there because nobody had seen him. But no, I thought that doesn't smell like a dead, like a corpse to me. That's uh, that smells, that smells <laughs> like something else. We went in and we soon found what the smell was. Basically, the guy's toilet had busted. So instead of contacting the Houses Association to get it repaired, because obviously, you know, when you're renting for them, that's what they do. They repair anything's broken. He had been pissing in empty soft drink bottles. Now, any normal person, even if you resorted to that, you'd pour it away down, down the sink, basically, down the drain. Yeah? No. There were, and we're talking like two and three litre soft drink bottles. They were everywhere. We found them in the bedroom, in the living room, in the bathroom. Um... And worst of all, in the kitchen. Now, most of them, thankfully, had the caps on. You'd had the decent to do that. But some of the ones in the kitchen were sat on the kitchen table with the caps off. So the place stank, reeked of urine. And there were flies everywhere buzzing about. Now, if you're wondering, you know, okay, there's all these bottles of piss. Now, we're talking gallons of this stuff, literally. You know, I mean, he, he, he must have been doing this. For a considerable period of time. Very weird behaviour. But if you're thinking, okay, there's a bottle of piss, what about, you know, yeah, well, I'll put it there, there's no delicate way of putting it. There's a bucket of shit out on the on the balcony. Okay, you know, this <laughs> this is I kinda of thought at least he put it outside, you know. This is this is weird behaviour. The coda to all this is coda source of all this is. That, a while after we repossessed the place, and obviously they, they, these poor buggers had to clear it all out. And I think they had, got, they had to get the public health people in to, you know, to dispose. It was so disgusting. And um, we changed the locks and obviously cleaned it all up and were preparing to lease it to somebody else without telling them what had gone on there. And um, this fella turns up. At the offices of the Housing Association, apparently so, one of the housing officers told me later. And, um, you know, he, he was wondering why he couldn't get into his flat, why none of the keys worked. You know, as if nothing, I mean, he knew damn well, you know, damn well what the situation, he hadn't paid any rent and he'd been filling the place with bottles full of piss, you know. And you're left wondering, you know, did he have a mental health problem or was he just a weirdo? Weirdo or what, as the chap might say. Another example. 
another example. Similar, except the repossession was being done on behalf of the mortgage holders, mortgage company, because the guy hadn't paid his mortgage. On those generally you have fewer people, they send fewer people than the houses. In fact, this time I had one person representing them. He's the locksmith and he was going to sign the warrant to take possession from me, from the court. Anyway, we get there, the door is open. Nobody there. We stroll in, you know, all the stuff like the uh, valuable stuff is gone. We assume the fellow took it because obviously, you know, we give war. We don't just turn up and throw people out. They get two or three weeks notice. And that's the end of a long, long process. Believe me, they've gone through. It's been through courts. So they'll have had tons of correspondence. Usually, if they've any sense, they'll have come into court because usually you can get it stopped anyway. Except... What's left in there is in every room there are stacks of porno magazines. Literally, they're, they're sort of, you know, we're talking, you know, maybe two feet high stacks. Some of them, some of them are a couple of feet high too, maybe three feet high, some of them. Just stacks of porno mags. Every room. So much of the floor space. Covered with poor stacks of oh, this one they were stacked neatly. They weren't just all over the place. And from what I could see, you know, I, I flicked through a couple of piles out of curiosity. And they all piece as what you'd call normal pornography, i.e., you know, the normal girly mags. What in this country they'd have titles like Razzle. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that sort of thing. Uh, Knave is another popular one. I, I can't remember all the titles. I don't even know how many of them are still published, you know. Um, they're somewhat down market of, say, Playboy or Penthouse. That's saying something, isn't it? And uh, <laughs> they, they don't have the articles in them. They just, you know, they're honest about it. This is porno. It's pictures of naked ladies. Anyway, doing up, you know, sitting on motorcycles, that sort of thing. Uh, posing with kitchen utensils you know what the other you know these poor photographers you take i say poor photographers they probably get paid well enough for it <laughs> but they have to come up with inventive ways of getting these girls to pose for each sheet that's <laughs> the reality is the people where they just want to see naked i just want to see naked breasts you know it's big asses <laughs> Each guys are trying to make it artistic. <laughs> Let's vary the pose. <laughs> Let's make it novel. You know, they don't. The punters, they don't care. Make it classy. <laughs> it's porn, you know, uh, or erotica. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, they're everywhere. But sort of thinking, you know, sorry, did he do this deliberately as a statement? Was he or is he intending to come back for these? You know? What the hell is going on? Was he storing them for friends? Yeah. Why does one man... Because we assume it's... Just, I mean, you know, it's the one name on the on the um, mortgage, obviously, that, and that was the person we were formally evicting. What does one man need so much pornography 
for, you know. <laughs> to be fair, it was this coincided with the early days of the internet, probably before most people had it. You know, I mean, now it's universal, virtually universal access to the internet, and that's synonymous with access to all manner of free pornography. Back then, that wasn't so. You know, not everybody had the internet. And, um, in fact, it was still relatively a rel relatively exclusive thing, the internet. And um, yeah, although there's still a lot of porn on it then, I can tell you, probably drove the um, helped drive the growth of the internet because it, a lot of technical. Sorry, I'm digressing. A lot of technical innovation, sadly, I always believe. It seems to me anyway, is driven um, by the need to more efficiently deliver pornography to the, to the customer. That's the way it always seems to be. I'm sure that's what drove printing presses, uh, <laughs> photography, motion pictures, now the internet. Anyway, getting back on topic. All this pornography. Was he some kind of weirdo? I mean, I did remark to the, uh, I did say to the the um, locksmith before I left him there to um, after he signed signed off and um, the thing, and I sort of left him there because <laughs> he has to do things. I also like uh, make you know, take meter readings, make sure that um, the gas and electricity are switched off, that sort of thing. And um, you know, I'd done, I checked there are no dead bodies or, or bottles of piss hidden under the beds, whatever. It's just more pornography. And um, as you say to him, yeah, yeah. Think about it, mate. You, you, uh, <laughs> you can set up with a market stall and sell this slot. Probably. <laughs> it's got to be worth something to someone, hasn't it? I mean, I'm sure there's people out there, probably as adolescent schoolboys, who <laughs> pay good money for all these magazines. Personally, I wouldn't, but. <laughs> There you go, you know. Um, yeah. I just, you know, there's this guy, some kind of weirdo. Was he some kind of sex sex maniac, for all we know? You know, sex offenders, to be serious again, sex offenders start off small. God, that sounds bad. Doesn't it? They start off on a small scale. And you got to think, I mean, that... I don't want to stigmatize people who look who, who look at pornography. I don't think this it makes you weird looking at pornography. I think it's a perfectly normal thing to do. But these quantities of it makes you think. And yeah, you just left thinking is I, I don't know. I mean, was he gonna progress as as, as sometimes happens? It's like we think is another example of us characterizing as harmless and labeling as a weirdo something isn't. Flashes and parks, you know, expose themselves to women and whatever. We say, oh, weirdo. And there's a part of us thinks they're slightly harmless, but they're not. Because if they're not caught, they're not stopped. Often they will progress, because they've got away with that sexual offence, they will progress to more serious sexual offences. Anyway, I don't know whether collecting pornography in industrial quantities uh, counts as a low-level sex offence. Or an indication that someone will be six, but it makes you wonder. But again, you know, walking away, to quote the chat, weirdo, or what?
another one. This wasn't one of mine, wasn't experienced by me. It's experienced by my colleague I used to work with quite closely. He's a bit older than me, a grey hair, prematurely grey hair. And um, we're going back some years now. Must be the 90, late 90s, would it have been? Early 2000s? Early 2000s, I think. And um, he had to go and serve some some um, process on this fella who was known locally as a bit eccentric, bit strange, bit of a weirdo. Anyway, he went to serve on this guy and the guy comes to the door and, you know, he's clearly... Um, He's half behind the door, apparently, but he's clearly naked. When we talk like the middle of the day here. My colleague attempts to explain to him what this legal process is about and what it's all about. And the fellow says, oh, this thing was, oh, you know, sort of the opening gambit, apparently, this we opened it. Oh, oh, sorry to keep you because it took him a while to come to the door. I was just writing this letter to Mr. Gorbachev. And, um, yeah, about the situation of world peace and whatever. Anyway, and then he, um, presumably because my, my, my friend had grey hair, he makes this assumption that he's President Clinton bringing a document to him, you know, in response to something he's written to President Clinton. He says, oh, President Clinton, I have some other documents for you. And I, I you have to, no, look, just, just read. Yeah, I'm totally, you just need to fill the, that form on that project. Just get it back to the court. And he gets sort of, makes a quick exit. And he's walking down the street to where he's parked his car. And this fella comes running after him, waving this bit of paper, shouting, Pres stark naked, shouting, President Clinton, President Clinton, wait a minute, I have this document for you, President Clinton. Now I laugh, <laughs> but one would say clearly mental health issues here, but we call him a weirdo. Then again, of course, he could, you know, I've known, I, I have in my own experience known people sometimes, although not that extreme, sometimes feign that sort of thing when they're involved in court disputes and things to try and use the um, play the card that I didn't understand why they didn't respond to any of the legal process they've been served with or which has been posted to them, whatever, the, all the legal documents. They're saying, oh, you know, obviously mental health issues. I didn't understand any of it, you know. I thought it was the KGB or something, you know. I have known people try that one on. In this case, however, we both thought this fella, you know, had some problems, you know, but as the chat would say, weirdo or what? But the truth is that a lot of these people I used to deal with this way, they were labeled locally as weirdos and whatever. But in truth, many of them 
clearly had the behaviours which often resulted in them being evicted or having injunctions brought against them, restraining orders and so on, were the result of mental illness. I look back and it's some horror really at the number of properties that I had to go into, usually when repossessing them. When you saw the way some people lived. I remember doing one once. It was a house in a really nice middle class looking, it's out in a village, although it's a housing association property. It's all very middle class milieu. She had kids and the sheer state of the place though. I mean, you couldn't see a single inch of the floor for rubbish strewn over it and that's the way they lived that hadn't just been done just for our benefit coming in the state of the kitchen was unspeakable um clearly this isn't just being a weirdo although that's the way the neighbors thought of her but they never saw the inside of the house you know i've known hoarders i've known all sorts of things all very strange weirdos but to end on a lighter note, I've talked about societal norms and all these things, you know, the use of weirdos, pejorative term. Um, people can seem like weirdos. I mean, your, your perception of what is weird and what isn't and who is and isn't a weirdo are formed not just by wider societal factors and pressures. But by your own um, experiences growing up within a small, like a family unit or in a small social unit, you know, if you, you, know, you grew up in a small village, they might do things a particular way there. When you go to the big city, you find, wow, you know, yeah, they do things differently. You think they're the weirdos. Um, you do it sometimes when, you, when you're a kid and you go to um you suddenly go into school and you go to the bigger schools particularly and um, as you get older and you find, you know, again, some of the things you thought were normal from your family life. Other kids, you go around to their houses and whatever and you become friends with them and you find, whoa, Christ, they're weirdos because they do things differently. <laughs> and it's the oddest things. I recall in very recently, you get this a lot on Twitter. People on Twitter suddenly realise, they air it there, that um, the rest of the world, what they think is normal with something really trivial, is, um, is not necessarily considered normal outside of their local community or outside of their family group. And I recall there was one particular fella, somebody else retweeted him, one of my, somebody I follow retweeted him out of amazement. Because he he was going about the way you cut sandwiches. He seemed to think, right, okay, let, 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 let's put that in terms of reference here. A loaf of bread, a normal loaf of bread, when you cut it, or when it comes sliced, the slices are oblong, yeah? 
usually oblong. There are exceptions. We're going to assume oblong. And when you make a sandwich, you know, you put your filling on top of one, put the other bread on top of it. How do you cut it? He was making the assumption that the norm was to cut it lengthwise. You get two long, thin sandwiches. And he really thought the people who cut it across, yeah, it, 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 the, you know, sideways across, you know, to, to make two smaller but somewhat chunkier sandwiches. So, if you see what I mean. Um, he thought those people were weird, were weirdos. Yeah, she said, what kind of weirdo cuts a sandwich like that? Giving pictures as examples. And everybody said, of course, you know, no, that's the normal way. You're the weirdo if you cut them the other way. And as, as my friend who was retweeting it pointed out to him, that if we, we really want to get into this, that surely nowadays people think the normal way to cut a sandwich is diagonally across. Yeah, to give you the triangle shape. And the reason they do that is largely because when I was a kid, it did, you know, we never thought of doing that at home. You always cut it across, you know, on, on the, you know, not lengthwise, but across at the short, yeah, shortest points. You had, you know, you had the, the two, two more sort of oblong shaped sandwiches and not long and thin but yeah um you know what i mean that's what we always thought was the norm and everybody i know growing used to think that as well of my age group but when you're older we've all started doing it diagonally and that's the reason because of course sandwiches you buy in sandwich shops and supermarkets are cut that way and the only reason they do it that way because they're easier to package that way <laughs> it's that's it's as simple as that it's an easy way to package them you package them in the triangular packets. It's just, you know. And uh, <laughs> people have taken it. I mean, I do it. I do it. I don't know why I do it. I keep thinking, you know, you should do it across, mate. Not bloody diagonally like that. But, you know, there you go. But, um, and it's weird, but he genuinely thought that we or the rest of us were weirdos because obviously where he grew up, this family group and probably amongst people locally that's how they cut sandwiches you're all goddamn weirdos if you don't do it that way <laughs> there you go i'm a weirdo because i cut my sandwiches that way um yeah something as trivial as that can make you a weirdo in the eyes of the other of somebody else because of course it's all about perception. And hey, let's face it, as far as wider society is concerned, all of us, all of us here involved at the onset, we're all goddamn weirdos because we spend our time without being paid to put out, to make these podcasts or contribute to these podcasts or whatever. Listen to these podcasts. Uh, you know, we, we do all this for free. We don't expect any kind of reimbursement. We spend our time doing it. My God, what a bunch of goddamn weirdos. And that is the reaction I've had. And I've mentioned it sometimes to people, even people I know. They obviously, some will actually say it to my face, but it's quite clear they think I'm some kind of goddamn weirdo. 
but there you go. Uh, <laughs> and the reply is always, well, what do you do that's creative in any way? And, uh, not a lot. You know, that's the point. But yeah, so back to you, PQ, you goddamn bearded weirdo with your hair. Goddamn hippie weirdo. <laughs> back to you. Oh, man. You see, I, even as a kid, uh, maybe because of Mad Magazine, uh, maybe it's a different thing uh, in the UK, but I always considered being called a weirdo some sort of badge of honor, like I had gotten to somebody and I had proven some point that was important about myself. I mean, let's face it. I mean, maybe it's different elsewhere, but... I personally, any day of the week, I'd rather be called weirdo than mentally ill or thought of as the weirdo down the street, not the mentally ill person down the street. Of course, you know, it's all a matter of a local definition of terms, perhaps. But yeah, you call me a weirdo. That's great. That, that means I don't fit in. Golly, did you noticed? <laughs> Oh, man, and that hazmat, man. Yeah, I think we've all been in at least one or two houses like that, or you haven't lived. I have had, because I have been friends with numerous people in the arts, it, it worked, it's, tend to be that sort of mindset where uh, I have lived in places uh, that were absolutely like the utter chaos, uh, probably somebody could have come along and committed everybody quite conveniently without any battle to uh, a facility the way things were kept in some of the places, especially when I was younger. And it just it didn't matter uh, in some way. I had other priorities other than, uh, you know, living in a model home, or at least that was my thinking in my head at the time uh and yeah porn definitely built the web built the film industry it, it, it is a powerful signifier in our culture and admittedly i mean in my 20s i had this huge it's, it's just accumulated collection of magazines that finally coincidentally enough uh i had lived in a motel for a while with this landlord who was just this really nasty guy uh who yep, the, not i am and this is not something i'm not going off on patels or indian motel owners this guy was just rough uh he would harass people who came to visit me and he would be forever just like i don't know what he was just thinking back he was just like micromanaging or trying to micromanage my life because i happened to rent from him and uh knowing his uh, absolute aversion to pornography somehow or other through some encounter with him uh i finally gave up my pornography collection when i moved out of there and indeed in the middle of the room i left what i remember is a huge heap that I, I i mean thinking back it's it is it's embarrassing on some bizarro level that i would have in any way shape or form but that was the pornography back then i mean the, yeah the internet changed everything 
I mean, even people at the beginning who weren't interested in pornography, if you were on the internet, you found, because if you, there was a point where if you searched anything in a search engine, and there was no Google back then, I mean, there were a million other ones, Alta Vista, and uh, Yahoo, and yeah, all those search engines, but there was a point where you searched almost anything, the first five things that came up in any search engine were a pornography site that had somehow figured out a way to code so they would come up at the top somehow. This is all beyond my technical know-how. But I do remember this, uh, what, maybe 1996 or 7, somewhere in there. I mean, the Internet was built on porn. And, boy, it, look what we got. I, it, it's proof that uh, porn can make you a whole bunch of money, if nothing else. Uh, oh, one other thing that, yeah, I'm looking at my notes here. Um... I never cut my sandwiches. I mean, maybe when I was a kid, other people did it. I sort of have vague memories of that. But I don't think I have ever made a sandwich and then taken that extra step of taking out a knife and cutting it in half. That's like just an extra step for no re Well, may I guess if you have small hands, uh, maybe I always had big hands. But I, I can't imagine the... Per I, although, I guess if you have an aversion to the bread crust and you don't want to touch it, by cutting the sandwich in half, you can then... When I, I do remember being very, very young when I did... For some reason, the bread crust seemed to be something... You know, I, I wouldn't eat the cone from the ice cream either at a certain point when I was a kid, if I remember right. Yeah, talk about weirdo. Yes, we're talking about weirdos here on the Overnightscape Central. And indeed, we are already percolating uh, full tilt, uh, just bubbling away with weirdness. And uh, it, this is only beginning. This is only starting, my dear friends, because, uh, let's see, who, who goes next? Oh, making these big decisions. Eddie. Yes, let's hear from Eddie, who has been just amazingly and wonderfully prolific with episodes of the wool gathering and other participation uh it's on the exit ramps and and turning up here last week he actually sent something in if i remember correctly or was that the week before oh man i the time have you noticed i mean talking about weird not necessarily weird o's time is doing this really weird it's like opening and closing almost pulsating and sometimes something seems like it was yesterday and it was weeks ago and sometimes something seems like it was weeks ago and it was yesterday but in a much more extreme maybe i'm just getting old and weird anyways uh here's eddie well, I'm sitting on the dunes of the Cape, I guess. No, of the bay. So, uh, trying to protect from the wind a little bit. But I'm, I am here to talk about weirdos. Um, are we weirdos? In a way, I think what we do here, some people would call weird. Uh, 
call us weirdos. Uh, weirdos, it's, it's, well, it's plural. So, a weirdo would be singular. And uh, I've, I've been called weirdo. I've been called the stuff that I talk about uh, is weirdo stuff. And I thought I actually had a problem with the name weirdo before I talked about but actually it wasn't the name itself it was more to do with the reason the name is used and it can be used for different ways so if it's used in a way that uh, is to insult um, you can gather that it's used that way by maybe it's intended meaning or well what it can actually mean is a lot of the time that it's somebody's um, somebody's genuine misunderstanding or ignorance of a particular way of being, mode of being, perception, other perceptions, closed off perceptions, you know, perceptions out of societal norms. Um, anything sort of that's outside of society that's gathered sort of normal status by being more of an everyday thing, more of a thing that's been in the picture and maybe that's being useful. Um, and so in one way it could be seen as, well, that's not a useful thing in society and I don't know much about it, so it's weird and you're a weirdo for thinking about it or whatever. Another thing that could be a weirdo, like words can tend to be an issue around thing. Like if you think back to what people used to call retarded and it used to be used, you know, non-ironically or not as an insult you know, this person's retarded, and then it gradually became an insult because people use that word. And then I think there's also words, so now people can't really use that word, like, unironically, any, well, mostly people don't use that word anymore. And uh, so there's other words that have probably also come out of the, the words, you know, the world of insults and, and become back to a normal world as well. Um, but in general, weirdos would be sort of like, well, usually if it's plural, it would mean some sort of subculture or a new subculture. So there's a lot of new things coming out nowadays, which would be I don't know, they probably, a lot of them arise from Japan, like furries or kawaii and all this kind of stuff. And uh, a lot of people even in Japan would see them as, as weirdos, I think, sometimes. Uh, or us as Westerners looking at what Japan do or what Chinese do, if they eat cockroaches or if they eat, um, what are they called? those guys in the sand with the tail that stings scorpions and uh, you know all sorts of insects and stuff we, we would see that as weirdos or the strange stuff they eat from the sea all the time uh, 
Like they're weirdos. What are they doing? Um, but that's just part of their culture because it's not normal in our culture. Um, so the word itself and how it's used, uh, it can mean different things. Um, because if you're just uh, calling someone a, a weirdo kind of as an insult, then because, uh, I don't know, you don't like them, you, f you find they give you the creeps or whatever, um, you could be insinuating that they're into all sorts of other stuff, maybe criminal activity or, uh, you know, you know, nasty things on the internet or whatever you want to say, right? Without putting too fine a point on it. Um, you know, maybe people of the underworld, like there's people who like, who would be like fascinated about gore or like, you know, really heavy gore and real gore that's on the internet, like that would be um, underground, like in the dark web. Well, not necessarily, but I think that's where you can kind of access a lot of the stuff if you're I mean I hate looking at that stuff myself but some people do and it depends on the reasons they do for then how weird it is I guess um, so weird would be or weirdo would be like what's if your mind operates differently or if you explore different ways of your mind operating um than to other people and some people I guess can't help that as well because I mean there's actual things like schizophrenia and um, you know different disorders and psychopathy and stuff so they can all have ways of how your mind may be a little bit weird a little bit not as normal yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure if it's a sensitivity thing and differences, or whether it's a culture. I just, to me, the, the, the being called a weirdo is like the lead, that's almost like praise in comparison with all the other things that people will call somebody is different. Weirdo seems to have some affectionate edge to it, or like it's acceptable. You're just weird. Uh, you're not going to kill my family. Uh, being called a psychopath or there are just so many worse terms but again I'm suspecting that this is either one I'm a weirdo on a scale well beyond anything that I ever thought and I wear it as a badge of honor when most people think weirdos are weirdos or again it's a cultural social construct that I am banging up against. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, weirdness and difference and what makes me, the, the things that divide me from you and me from other people, our otherness and our difference is the things to be celebrated. I mean, can you imagine if we all just liked the same music and the same movies and it's just these shows wouldn't be here. I mean, there would just be... And, uh, you know, like I say, insult? I mean, it's like what we do to words, and maybe sometimes 
we're just ruining the language and we're not protecting anybody. Case in point, the term that you just brought up there, retarded, which in a dictionary, it means slowed down, uh, held back, restrained maybe, but uh, yeah, that's the actual, and I don't know, it's, what I have found is every term that we come up as a substitute, because you can't call retarded people retarded, because it's an insult, becomes an insult. <laughs> we may as well have stuck. In other words, my point is, we may as well have stuck with calling the retarded, retarded, and retards, and dealt with how people use the term, instead of just, how many, let's see, the, the term was changed way back to residence, which instantly, that didn't last very long at all. Uh, consumers? Uh, I, I don't know what the proper nomenclature is today, and I wouldn't even guess, but I am sure it, you can't just fix the problem that way, and uh, that's part of the problem. Uh, calling someone who you think is being stupid in a moment of passion uh, a retard. I mean, there's a lot worse things you could do. And if somebody is going to be that affected by being called that, I mean, and then we're going to uh, double down and triple down making it even more powerful instead of just shrugging it off or maybe even it, the term is apt in the moment and there's a moment where you, yeah, boy, was I, yeah. Which it, yeah, even I, even the most amazing PQ Ribber has these moments where I am just totally wrong and if somebody used that word, uh, I would even, in my head, use it on myself. And it, it, no harm has been done here. When you take a word out of the palette of colors that a person can use to express themselves, now we're starting to talk about damage. I mean... Because if you can't express what you feel in a clear and succinct way, then other things... Yeah, here we go. Peaky Ribber and his popular opinions, because we're talking about weirdos! And so, yeah, weirdos. A lot of the times... These sort of subcultures, like the goths and that, they were weirdos when they first started, but now everybody knows them. Yeah, that's they're just doing the goth thing. Our skinheads, they were kind of weirdos a bit at first. And people, I guess, generally still don't like them or what they stand for. But uh, it's usually associated with sort of the Nazi thing. But uh, I think not always. I don't know the skinhead thing. It depended what you were into. Sometimes it was just for aesthetic, I think. 
um, or or a punk thing. So a lot of the times when it's new, it can be classified, especially if you're in with a group of people who kind of um, are in a crowd or a group um, or join a certain thing, especially if it's new, then, then they're a bunch of weirdos. Sometimes some people use it as an insult to people who are into certain religions or, you know, like uh, the the uh, the Mormons and stuff that some people just go oh, they're a bunch of weirdos. Again, probably out of misunderstanding a lot of things. You know what? It's a very it's a very dismissive thing to say about any one thing, and it would take a lot of it should take a lot more interest and intrigue and curiosity to find out exactly what they mean, what they stand for, what it is. Um, and then some more internal judgment on why you would find that weird because it threatens your normality. It threatens what you think is or should be normal. And so norms basically keep us like psychologically safe where the weird will explore other possibilities of being or other things that are, you know, other ways of perceiving things. Um, now, they may not be helpful that is true. However, that's that was that's all part of this kind of evolution thing, I, I guess, where we just explore different things, and some things end up being helpful, some don't. But does everything have to be helpful? Maybe it's just interesting or something. You know, it could be helpful in in a way that you actually find it weird and therefore not in your boundaries to explore. And in that sense, that kind of weird is, is okay to use that weird in that sense. It's just like, look, uh, that's a bit outside my, my normal boundaries or something. Like I wouldn't go look at gore and stuff. Um, and I'm glad that I won't because I tried to and it's, it sickens me, it's horrible. But I know some people really get off on it. And uh, I looked at it just to, once or twice before just to see, you know, am I one of those people? And gladly I'm not. So it's good. Good for me. Um, so, but there is people out there that just, they're wired that way for whatever reason. They just get a thrill out of these things. Um, maybe stuff like horror movies is a little different because it's not real and it can give you a thrill in other ways that's like excitement or you know you could appreciate the aesthetics of that too i guess and the, the genre in different ways so just different ways of viewing things it's not always weird or weirdos so people who are genuinely weird usually have, I guess, some 
brain problems or psychological problems. Like the film Stir Crazy uh, was was acting particularly particularly weird in that where he thought the woman had uh, was wearing nothing underneath and she was shoplifting and she was, he had all these delusions. So when people are kind of deluded, we will call that weird. Yet it's funny if you have like delusions of grandeur. Usually that's quite acceptable. It's like, well, he's really going for it, you know, or whatever. Really trying to get there. That's quite acceptable to really, to really, as long as you're working hard at something and really believe it, even if it's a total delusion, then that's kind of acceptable. Some things that maybe cross over the weird category, they can be fine in our societal norms if there's enough of what we deem in our current society as like acceptable, which is which is hard work, right? This 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 work ethic like that kills people in South Korea and Japan. A lot of suicides and everything. So anyway. Art is an area where a lot of people just can't including myself, I find some art forms quite weird and I can't get into that perception uh, I'd, a lot of the times I just find it funny or something um, I guess maybe if someone tried to explain it to me I might get it a little bit more some art forms are um, kind of weird and would would kind of be hard for people to see other perceptions but it's exploring those perceptions. I think it is important in art, but there's a lot of stuff in art um, that could be weird. Or then I suppose you could say that the artists are weirdos for doing those type of things that we don't understand. A lot of times it's, it's a dismissal or it's a misunderstanding. Then again, artists could be doing certain things that they don't understand them what they're doing themselves and therefore that could be part of the, the sort of sort of misrepresenting their own stuff in a way because they're kind of saying well look this is weird and I am a weirdo um, you know which is it which is kind of goes meta on the whole thing and uh, they turn it turn it on its head But, you know, being alive and being in a human body and having this, these brains and these appendages and living in this, on this earth, this is weird. This is weird. Being, existing, existence itself is weird. Everything is really so weird and absurd, really. Um, when you think about it, we're all weirdos. And everything's weird. You know, we'll often catch things that we might see something or hear something and we'll just comment, oh, that was a bit weird, wasn't it? Or we'll feel something or whatever. We won't completely understand it. So because we don't completely understand it, we'll just say, well, that was a bit weird. That kind of means, I don't understand this yet. Or, you know, it's about understanding. So it's dismissive, there's misunderstanding, there's, there's a 
ignorance sometimes you might ignore certain things that maybe you should try and understand uh, that kind of goes with the dismissiveness so hell everything's weird we're all weirdos who's weird you who back to you pq uh, if anybody equated me ever with any form of normalcy or associated me with that uh that would be some that they'd be a weirdo. I've got to tell you, it's a subjective schmubjective, uh, and there is a dis. Uh, to me, there's a difference between insults versus dismissals. And let me give an example. Uh, let's see, pronoun people. Now, if I turned around and somebody tells me I identify. As Kazubi Bajugi, my pronouns are Kachabi Bajabi, and I turned around and I actively you know, called them a stupid. That's or that would probably be a little too much. But me dismissing that, I see nothing wrong with that. Uh... But again, these are shades of difference and nomenclature. But there is nothing. Dismissal is a different thing. Uh, it's not. I mean, you could be insulted by somebody dismissing your ideas, but that is on you. If I have an idea, nobody has to accept it, nor be kind about countering it. No, I mean, with, this is the nature of discourse in a society. And if we're going to start, like, prohibiting, uh, the discourse gets bogged down. And, yeah, that, that could be a lot of why things are the way they are, maybe. I don't know. Um, and uh, no, Eddie, uh, you're not uh, being mean or unduly dismissive. Most, uh, well, much, much <clears throat> of what is presented as modern art is a scam and or kooks. And fight me. Prove me wrong. I mean, have you ever read some of these art, these convoluted artist statements that they come up with to justify a big nothing and get grants? This, it, it's become, again, a game of nomenclature and people set up in positions to validate. And uh, it, it, if you look at a piece of art and somebody needs to explain it to you, uh, or it just looks like utter, like, not even utter chaos. It just looks like, ah, you know what? It's your right to go, ah, and walk away and not feel bad that you didn't get this struggling artist's message. Part of the artist's goal, job as an artist, is to communicate and an artist that isn't communicating, wah! And I don't feel that dismissal should be insulting. I And I think my dismissing them is not invalid because I'm being mean. 
and egotists in our culture, yes, some of them are accepted and lionized, but just as many of them aren't. I think it's a matter, the egotists who have that certain, or dollops, amount of charisma. Charisma is very key, and it is not definable or measurable. You know, there isn't a charisma scale you can hold up to somebody, but uh, that is a factor that needs to be, you know, a charismatic weirdo is a, a superstar, whereas a weirdo with no charisma is a no good bomb. And they both will live with that, I am sure, to some degree or another. And as far as gore goes, I remember when I was younger, that it fascinated me. There's a literally, I guess, a morbid curiosity about me. And then VHS came in and there were those faces of... I remember the, the awakening of that. Uh, faces of Death 1 and 2. One afternoon, I rented them from the video store and went home and watched these things. And I found myself just covering my face with my eyes clamped shut, just peeking out to see if they were done... Because, yes, I would say most of the Faces of Death, if I recall, the footage was fake and BS. But interspersed amid the obviously fake footages are real footages of of some... I I can't look at it. I had a lady friend at one time in my life who loved to spend Sunday afternoon. They used to, the Discovery Channel used to show these lengthy surgery documentaries each and every Sunday afternoon. And I would have to, I couldn't even be in the house with that because I might turn around and catch it out of the corner of my eye and ruin my whole day. I, I, I can't deal with vivisection in real life on any level. And I think I get worse and worse about it as I get older. But... Fortunately, I don't have to perform surgery on anyone, so it's not necessarily a major problem. Oh, man. This this topic, it's a topic that keeps giving, and it will, because, uh, yeah, we got another weirdo uh, who sent us a uh, audio file. Chad Bowers of The Incredible True Facts of Space is here again, uh, to bring us joy and amusement. The reason my brother burnt that bowling alley down in the first place was that they were very discriminatory against his uh, style of bowling. He maintains that nobody has the right to specify the size or the weight uh, of the ball you use, you know? Like, have you ever considered using a drum? Maybe you could roll a drum down there and knock the pins over, or a drone. You know, these are these are things that a lot of people in bowling are not ready to open their mind to. They're closed-minded and stuck in the past. The three olds, you know? You know, not the Chinese with the communist takeover, or the... Uh, 
or the Russians, you know, back when they tried communism, the the poor people uh, ended up destroying all the people slightly less poor than them, and then those people destroyed the people slightly less poor than them. And well, about a hundred million people starved. But the truth is, anything that would roll down the lane under the God that I worship would be fully acceptable to anybody that agreed to play the game. After all, um, we as humans have some agency in our life. Our ability to dedicate ourselves to sport or study arts such as Ninjago, to, um, to build robots, you know, model robots, plastic robots, uh, plastic heroes in, a, in an age of plastic. You know, they say Superman was a was a super guy for a super time, wearing super pants and um, just having a, a fabulous looking cape, and his hair was perfect. The use of the telephone box for changing clothing, the the actions of being an ace reporter, his friendship with Jimmy Olsen, these are things very much like my uh, brother's 20-pound bowling ball. Um, these are things which are a matter of preference. And in bowling, one of the things that um, really used to upset them was the, was the, uh, the oil in the lanes, you know? That's flammable. And if you spread an accelerant out over it, let it soak. The, the whole damn lanes could just catch a fire and burn down, killing everybody inside. This is something that um, I guess eventually led to Tony just burning the place down. You know, they said, hey, the ball you're using is two freaking feet wide, and it's just not fair to the other bowlers. And, um, you know, Tony said, fair. I'll show you fair, and with that accelerant, just spread that accelerant all through the bowling alley that night after they had closed, after everybody had gone home, snuck in, you know, through the roof, cut a hole, and that's a funny thing. People will lock doors all the time of buildings, but uh, they really never appreciate the fact that using nothing more than a saw and some uh, elbow grease, you can just cut a hole in the wall or Cut a hole right in the roof. Now, it's easier than you think. These things are... Um, the man who serves himself uh, eats his sandwich first. And that's just what Tony did. He took his matters into his own head and using a little ingenuity, about 55 uh, gallons of accelerant, and a garden variety book of matches burnt the entire bowling alley down. All over their persecution of him over his ball size and weight. You know, the quality of his balls was outside of the tolerable limits of their imagination. It hadn't been easy on me at all since we stopped using French's mustard. I went to Chick-fil-A sauce and pickles. I tried smoked herring. That satisfied me for a while. 
and I might go back to it. But it's just still, when things are quiet and I see someone else eating mustard on TV, I get that hankering for it, you know. I start thinking, damn, a mustard sandwich would be awful good right now. And this could be related to the car trouble that I'm starting to have. It's a rhythmic issue. So add a atomic, uh, well, the blinkers aren't working right. Now, Don Letts, for example, is one of the coolest cats you'll ever meet. The punk rock movie, movie about skinheads, the uh, making videos for all these great bands, Public Image Limited and The Clash. And then Big Audio Dynamite with Mick Jones himself. Just a fabulous set of albums. I, I think everything up to uh, Kool-Aid, um, the rare album release Kool-Aid, that... Um, you know, it was about as cool as it gets. Don Letts, man. Don Letts. Funniest um, things to realize about maintenance of your own car. Creating a taco restaurant from scratch. Creating a, a fried chicken empire. You know, any any sort of fast food service, quick serve restaurant. One of the... Uh, one of the considerations is what are the unknown factors that will lead to your demise or your success? You know, obviously having the branding up front of uh, buying a, a large amount of any one uh, spoilable asset, you know, food, for instance. Um, just think about those unknowns, you know, Carl Douglas with Kung Fu Fighting. Now, you hear a song, uh, everybody be kung fu fighting. It's a little bit frightening. And you realize that uh, that song is why Don got his uh, chops on the dance floor. That song is how he got comfortable dancing. And he got comfortable dancing and ended up getting intertwined with bands and making over 400 rock videos, as well as being one of the uh, principal members of Big Audio Dynamite. So, Kung Fu Fighting, Martial Arts, Nunchucks, Ninja Stars. I'm not a ninja. I'm not going to tell anybody how to be a ninja. But the fact is, is with a little training in the right pajamas, you and I could take out an entire village of Shaolin monks, and they wouldn't even know what hit them. We hide in the trees like a predator, camouflaged. We appear, and our violence is so fluid and natural that it leaves them bewildered, bedazzled, dazed and uh, somewhat knocked out upon the floor, you know, on their awakening. Who rocked our world? The ghost ninjas. Ghost ninjas rocked our world. Oh, yes, there was a time in the early to mid-70s, me and my best friend Scott, and he was a much more athletic guy, so he was actually able to look at these books with the diagrams and watch the movies and 
I mean, I don't think if there was a real feat of fighting, uh, I think he would have, I mean, he was on the wrestling team. He knew how to fight. I think he would have just reverted. But uh, yeah, there were the nunchucks, which I, after about the fifth time, I capped myself in the back of the head with them. I decided that, and the ninja stars, uh, which, you know, you cut yourself on the edges if you're not, that I'm not built for uh, handling dangerous weapons and the only person that, well, I'm going to get hurt and other people might, and there's just no reason in my life uh, for all those accessories. But boy, the, all the magazines and the, the, the little how-to booklets, I guess to some degree that still exists, but, uh, oh man, in the comic books there were all these things you could order. And then, of course, when you bought the martial arts magazines, the stuff you could order from the ads there, I mean, probably uh, what would have, have appeared to have been uh, effective and lethal things were uh, cheap knockoffs, but who knows? Uh, I think luckily we didn't get our hands on any of the uh, higher end implements that were apparently available at that time and uh, I'm gonna have to now uh, I keep trying Big Audio Dynamite I'm gonna have to ask you uh, the Chad to guide me because uh, I, I like a lot of the clash I like a lot of public image I, the Sandinista album may be one of my favorite all-time releases. And yet, um, my big audio dynamite stuff, I just never quite have gotten a handle on. And I have this great box set that I acquired from the realm of obtaining that I think supposedly contains literally everything. Everything. That, that's because now it's just and one thing I will say, weird, big audio dynamite, probably a lot of their, they use a lot, the, I should love this band, electronics and audio samples and a little hip hop. And I don't know, uh, it's not that I dislike them. I just, I don't know, this is taste. And even our own sometimes, you want to like something and you're, it's you just, Oh boy, the, the human mind and its idiosyncratic functions. And uh, uh, to, to refer back, uh, just in general, to not only uh, what you just said, but uh, to what Eddie was discussing, I will state that the man who doesn't cut his sandwich in half eats 8 to 15 seconds sooner. And I, I, I did used to eat uh, potato chips with mustard until one afternoon uh, I gave myself such a colossal heartburn idly without thinking just continuing to eat chips with I think Dijon mustard over uh, the period of uh, a movie or something oh boy yeah, that kind of cured me of uh, doing that I, ever again Damn, my uh, kids keep sucking all the Freon out of my uh, air conditioner unit. I caught the little bastards out there filling up a trash bag with Freon. Uh, they were going to go off to their shed and kind of alternately huff gasoline and Freon. And um, 
see what happened. I guess it helped them uh, fulfill their Metrovania destinies and perhaps um, end up with a same gay, uh, save game state, you know, in one of the cartridges that had that uh, battery backup for the ROM state. You just save the state of the game and then you put it back in motion and there you are, right there. You build you a little cutscene or something or have the uh, typewriter ribbons like in Resident Evil, the whole zombie situation. Hell, I just found out Walking Dead was still on television and I don't even know how that's possible. I remember an episode where Everybody was on the beach, and uh, they were water skiing back and forth, and Fonzie just got this perfect line on the thing. He hit that ramp, and there was really no question. You know, we were terrified watching, but there was really no question that he was going to make it. It was kind of a pre-settled arrangement. Let's just say they were soft taco people in a crunchy taco world. They were trying to build an organization that would work just as well for checking food levels under the car as it would for feeding hungry people tacos or getting college students to buy t-shirts with their name on it. They didn't believe in commercial soda pop. They sold local beverages only, alcohol and tobacco and coffee, things with uh, leaves. They preferred those things from back in the tobacco days, something They all grew up with the smell of that tobacco hanging in the barn. The customer stated when he put on this blinker, he was coming to a light, and every time he put his blinker on, car would make one of those uh, belches, fart smells. You ever had a catalytic converter do that on a car where it just belches up a gaseous cloud of burp, envelops it, other cars driving through it smell it? Well, we had bought about 100,000 pounds of uh, vegetarian meat for these tacos, and we got a great price on it. It was going to get the unit cost per taco down under 70 cents, which was fabulous because we were going to sell them around $2 each. Problem was, nobody had come up with anything about the brand. We had no name, no logo, no colors, no menu designed yet. Uh, the store hadn't been uh, hadn't been pegged for a location. We didn't know where we were going to build it, and we didn't have any sort of uh, a cart or anything to serve it. So unfortunately, we had to tell the investors that uh, the whole business uh, kind of folded as dramatically as it at all began with a bunch of uh, rotten vegetarian meat filling and. Uh, Retrospect, hindsight being 2020, with corrective lenses, I realized that uh, buying the meat probably should have been done later in the uh, in the process. I could have just gone with chips and salsa, but that would have been uh, the easy route and maybe not even representative of the ideas I had for this food. He's still figuring it out and mostly sitting at his desk looking through the drawers of um, things as far as we know. The creature knows what's inside the drawer, but he keeps looking through it 
fondling things. Something called a Big Larry. He likes to twirl around a machined uh, rope with uh, metal ends on it. And then there's these dice out there in Las Vegas, Nevada. Where they've got the gambling and the Indian casinos. They've got jackpots, and buffets. And he thinks about it often. Lately, before he had the blinker issue on the Honda, the turn signals, they stopped working functionally. Everything changed when you went to make a left turn. The car changed road and drivers and passengers and even the nature of the chains and the signage and characters they would use were inspired by another batch of characters from another place and time it was not the same old usual gang of idiots sitting around drinking barbecue sauce fermenting grapes with wine these were salad junkies crouton eaters people help to the bacon bits and seeds and dressing different methods of spinning lettuce getting the water out crisp and clean you want the cool side cool and the hot side hot that was the whole concept behind the mcdonald's mcdlt made perfect sense an argument presented upon television to the viewers that rang true with every muscle fiber they had remembering various picnics the necessity of keeping the lettuce and the tomato separate from the bread the bread hopefully room temperature not too much humidity or anything the cheese cold the meat cold the lettuce separated and dry perhaps between sheets of paper towels and sandwich bags neatly folded and wrapped in aluminum foil as one might wrap a sandwich starting with the square sandwich cut into triangles and the bread corners removed simply lay out the uh, foil on a flat surface you want to Fold that over top of a paper towel, wrapping the sandwich completely. This will uh, mitigate internal moisture issues. For instance, the mustard evaporation into the bread might cause a, a bit of uh, watery texture to the bread. But this paper towel will help modify the humidity levels and keep everything intact. Foil itself provides benefits that aren't quite understood but appreciated by all there's it's just something about unwrapping a foil sandwich and eating the hoagies within remember um, back when the comic books would have those advertisements for the ding-dongs and the uh, twinkies i used to feel like uh the vanilla Twinkies were my favorite, you know, but but the chocolate ones were good as well. 
Yeah, so the blinker stopped working entirely. Um, it turns out the battery for the car was dead, which was the main reason it wouldn't start, the reason the blinkers would not function during the blinker test. The uh, MOT uh, DMV Department of Motor Vehicles representative when testing my car, one of the fails was the lack of wheels on the car because they had rotted and fallen off. It's not really necessary when a car is up on blocks in your front yard. You, the wheels become home for squirrels and chipmunks gathering nuts, but have little utility to offer the car itself. So I guess when they were rotting away, I would walk past it, maybe coming back inside to watch Matlock or looking up information about Scott Bakula episodes of Star Trek. I would see it out of the corner of my eye, but I wouldn't pay attention to it. The whole time, woodland creatures are setting up little hobbles and shops selling things. The raised car, you know, in my yard up front was functioning like a residential, well, not the residential, the other one, the uh, the commercial district. You know, I had plenty of low-density homes, low-density neighborhoods. I had medium and high-density neighborhoods. I had my water system tuned. Every part of the map was getting good water power. Good power. But nothing would... Uh, Nothing would work or, or really stir up an interest until I put a park, a, uh, a school, a fire department, a police department, a statue of myself, the mayor's office, and a university as long as a river with a port and an airport off to the side. And then when we added uh, the car in my front yard, that more or less opened up commercial opportunities. So... Woodland creatures behind the house or in the sides, under the eaves, living in the flower beds. They came out and set up shop and then were serving the suburbs I had around it. More or less, everybody was pretty happy with the arrangement because taxes were about 5% over average. But services were like 20% over average. And this is the... Uh, the customer quality differential happiness equation of uh, 75, 25, or 25 to 75. You know, they say 80, 20. I say 75, 25. Um, some people just say 100. Then, of course, other people demand, in fact, that you give 110%. People that do such a thing, I'm not sure where their head's at. I've noticed that some of them are the same that in their job listings will say things like, I need a, uh, I need a social media ninja. I need a Google Analytics ninja. I need, uh, I need a hard hitter. You know, I'm not sure what they're talking about, but it's not me. Because I'm no kind of ninja. I'm not... Uh, versed in those arts. I've got a, I guess, compatriot from back in the day fighting wars on top of the Funkin' Wagnalls when we uh, 
When we occupied the Funk and Wagnalls encyclopedias in the corner of the den, and we had this entire stronghold against Cobra advancing across the room from the kitchen, Keith was setting up his weapon systems in there, and I was fortifying the base, putting a Patriot missile system on top of the G index, and having some Scarlet and some of the other characters over the side of Snake Eyes. He's the most versed in being a ninja, although he's not really a ninja. He's a carpenter, but he has ninja qualities, and he studies a lot of ninja motives and, and ninja techniques. And and he does advertise himself as having those. So, and he is quite good at karate. So, it's uh, it's not that he's not, but he's just not a ninja. He told me. He said the certificate didn't come through. There was something about the arch of his foot not being quite correct or um, the weight that he weighed in at when he was volunteering for World War II or Vietnam or Korea back in the Desert Shield and the Desert Storm Age and the, the whole Afghanistan crisis. Cobra Command was teaming up with Vladimir uh, Putin and they were putting their line droppings along the uh, the east edge where we were trying to make something happen with the time and the Japanese flag. You know, the, the whole sun rising and all that stuff. Um, House of the Rising Sun. Doors, a commercial album that people don't like or the public image limited commercial zone could have been playing was a uh, offshoot of Martha Quinn and John Hunter and Levi Garrett Bad News Bears baseball team Walter Matthau as a beer drinking uh, baseball coach smoking a cigar you know this is uh this is the reason that uh, you can trace things back to prior to the uh, the blinker giving any any trouble. You know, when I'd make a right turn, sometimes it would snap off quickly, and it would go back to the neutral position. Or if I was turning into the gas station, it might linger on that side for longer than was required, blinking uh, two or three excess times. So I didn't like that. We needed. Um, we needed someone that could really just start fresh with something simple, making like a lemon square brownies or blonde brownies or some type of chewy brownie, something that we could offer to the host that came in at hostess parties. So the pig said he uh, was merely sitting in his home when the wolf came by, asked to borrow some sugar, the pig opens the door. The wolf breathes deeply, deeply inside and unleashes a, uh, a blast of frosty wolf breath traveling at several hundreds of uh, miles per hour out of underneath his teeth. In fact, the, uh, the second pig that witnessed the utter destruction of the first pig's house uh, said that the front teeth of the wolf seemed to bow out a bit as though they were going to snap off. The wind coming out of his mouth was so fierce. 
that it just tore into splinters the old wood fences that had been cobbled together into a rudimentary home for the first pig this was um, something that the third pig commented that they had called the uh, police force but the local judge had um, decided that in the past he felt that people were perhaps too hard on crime so he had a, a new policy that if you were uh, a wolf and you were destroying the house of the pig if you were hungry then he wouldn't really press charges or if uh, you know if you if you equaled uh, a ranking of B7 or above on the uh, index chart so first pig died house fell upon him the uh, the wolf ate the pig and ate everything in the refrigerator uh, that was inside the house stole the little Debbie's as well as a t-bone steak that had been sitting out on the counter okay. wolf came in to testify he placed his hoof upon the counter and with a deep rattle in his voice he started to spray paint a picture of urban graffiti that covered the knees of several council people they were wearing robes when it happened well that's the uh, that's the sound we've been waiting for the jury has come back with a verdict the wolf is not guilty the dead pigs are not guilty the pig that witnessed everything is uh, required to come in for counseling and uh, get his testimony into a more uh, just arrangement with the uh, needs and desires of the local community as they would like to express themselves and ways that they see themselves potentially a better version of the same something they could um, maybe not quite put such a fine point on it and uh, instead come into a kind of a hazy day happy sunday afternoon type of a feel as long as everyone shows up for their positions monday morning at eight o'clock you know don't let the uh, don't let the fear of monday mess up the rest of your beautiful sunday and that's true on any afternoon of the week perhaps none greater than Sunday itself but also reminiscent of, uh, of the type of activity that needs to occur Wednesday morning first thing so in that way it might be uh, safe to say that Tuesday afternoon you know we're the kind of people that Sunday morning Sunday uh, could be any day of the week it's the way it was done the way things were done and this is the way things are done is this uh trout fishing in uh, north america i was lost then i was uh found by the James Webb Space Telescope it had reached uh, a point where it was just sort of sitting out there 
but because you're sitting in the darkness, you're uh, you're more likely to see the light. And the cold can be described as a type of darkness, particularly if you're looking for heat. The cold in this case is like dark and the heat is like light. So you want to be about 331 degrees Fahrenheit or Frankenstein for our European friends. That's 331 degrees Frankenstein. Negative, below the zero. A different world on that side of the equation, but that is exactly the type of uh, absence of heat we're talking about, i.e., the color black. And you can imagine light being the absence of that lack of color. The absence of lack of color is the light, and the absence of light itself is the darkness. But the, uh, but the after effects remain the same, particularly when it comes to shadows or heat shadows or gravitational lensing from the, uh, the fact that mass is traveling out, you know, going faster than the speed of light. How it does this is unknown, but it uh, seems to cause the feeling of gravity. A lot of mysteries with all of that kind of um, same mystery as the 55 mile per hour uh, deal they were trying to put on the interstate system in the United States back in the 70s with the uh, Plymouth for Reliant K cars, CB radios, business cars where the owners uh, you know would unhook the odometer and go on family vacations and. Uh, Company car, unknown mileage, ghost mileage, you know, prior to microchips and tracking. All of this would be uh, quickly recognized by a fleet manager today and probably result in an instant termination. But that's not the kind of people we were back then. We uh, had a little more slack in every aspect. You know, the ability to do a job and... Um, Take a little time for yourself to do a crossword puzzle on the toilet or in the workbench, behind your desk, or in the operator seat of a crane, you know, workers um, heating up rivets on top of skyscrapers and tossing them back and forth, uh, getting uh, surprise outs at second, or someone trying to steal a girder on first. All of these um, little moments represented the slack that we had within the day and within the time. You know, high school students smoking in the uh, smoking area or uh, people wandering off campus during lunch. And, uh, you know, administrators looking the other way because the, the amount of slack still in the system was sufficient for humans to go on acting like humans. The, uh, the amount of uh, rules and enforcement of the rules and then the, uh, the fair application of the, of the rules in, in all scenarios became burdensome. Alensky had told them that if you could uh, 
choke them by their own niceness, you know, their own willingness to uh, to separate the the beliefs and the state. If you can use this as uh, a weapon against them and make them enforce, uh, you know, equal provisions among an untenable path of of different situations that, you know, with a bulldozer or a grave digger, you could move the dirt around, but you're still going to end up with a lumpy graveyard. You've got too many holes to fill in. It's like a young man without his front teeth. The blackness of those areas shines through any smile and comes to define that smile, you know. His toothy smile. His uh, Bluetooth recorder. His, uh, his shark teeth medallion or the the little puka beads around his neck these were all things gathered from the pacific ocean or the ocean pacific as they might call it the op plants the sun bridges with the closing crotch made out of uh, velcro or something a lot like it this is the sort of um, trouble that happened and Service advisor Frank is back from the Holly Hobbit convention. And he's taking a look and he noticed that right over on the right side, that reservoir, you know, you've never seen the, uh, the sun rise you know, behind the reservoir for the blind. It was um, about a quart low. The blinker fluid had run out to a level that a left blink was causing the car to stutter, a right blink was causing the car to hiccup, forward blink, it's just like the, uh, the various types of spin that you can find on subatomic particles. You know, if you look at a cloud chamber, even a cloud chamber you build yourself, you can see the different types of particles moving through it. I don't know if you've uh, built a cloud chamber, but one way to do it is to get you a metal pan and some dry ice and get it really cold and have a metal pan on top of the metal pan on top of the dry ice and then turn a plastic aquarium upside down over top of it and soak some rags into 99.9% pure alcohol and then let that drip through holes. And as, it, uh, as the vapor falls in that chamber, it'll make clouds. And then particles coming through, coming through that mist, of that fine alcohol mist, you can see them. They leave little lines, and the, the ones that go straight through quickly, just a dash, tiny little line, those are, those are particles moving so fast. They're cosmic rays. They go right through anything. They come into and out of our solar system within seconds. They... Uh, you just see them whiz right by. And then on the other hand, radon and you know other light radioactive elements, every once in a while you'll see a little spit come around. And it looks like it sort of just spits through the cloud a bit and like it's spinning out. Like a Hot Wheels car you push and it spins out to a stop before going off the edge of the counter. Were you ever um, skilled enough to play with Hot Wheels in that way that you could 
pushed them to the other side of the uh, cafeteria table, but you could put a little bit of a twist on the back as you pushed it so that when the car got about a foot or two away, it would stop like it was skidding to a stop. It required a, a deft hand to do this, but such is the particle physics physics on display uh, with an element like radon in a homemade cloud chamber right there on your desk. You can use it to check the level of your own blinker fluid and probably save yourself a lot of the headache I experienced with the Volgon elders and the, uh, the time-space beast. That incident I had where the peanut butter and jelly sandwich ended up inside of my uh, classic Betamax deck. The, uh, the dripping jelly, of course, being absolutely horrible between a pinch roller and a capstan. Um, the rotating heads on the drum being covered in the film of peanut butter didn't end up so bad once I got a rag out, a no-fiber microfiber cloth, and uh, I was able to kind of sham wow it clean. Just little arcs. Little tiny uh, rub-on, rub-off arcs, and it polished it right up. I was able to uh, to pause while watching an off-air copy of Baywatch and um, using some specialized glasses, I could see right through the bathing suits. It was uh, sort of telexed into Kit's main computer system. It was an off-grid monitor for uh, David Hasselhoff monitoring the performance of the uh, the Kit 2000, the Knight Rider car. And it at least allowed him to keep a good handle on the fluid levels under the hood. Oh, man, Chad. Good stuff. I mean, uh, I got a couple notes here, but nothing really aside from discovering our... Uh, common love of public image i mean you mentioned the commercial zone album and i was just in the, oh that's exciting stuff uh, they were very important to me especially the early original lineup more or less public image the, the powerful powerful stuff and let me tell you 55 miles per hour i think it's still in effect i mean i haven't driven cross country lately in over a decade, but uh, my memory is you, you're zipping along and everything's fine till you hit like Indiana, and at the Indiana state line, it it used to at least go down from like 75 to 55, and let me tell you, if you've been doing one of these cross country drives. And you've kind of got your pace somewhere around 70, 75, and you're like making time, hitting that speed limit. And of course, their uh, the constabulary is ready. I mean, I think a good portion of the reason they did that and drew that line is, I mean, you you're not vigilant. You just automatically kind of slowly ratchet up if you're not watching and suddenly you're back up to 75 and there's the, the state trooper behind you with, with, with a lovely gift for your uh, car resume 
Yeah, loving it, loving it, loving it. I think that a lot of places in the Northeast still have a very low speed limit for any number of reasons that we need not go into. Um, and man, you mentioned the McDLT, which was an incredibly fun innovation, but I had really, really loved the Arch Deluxe. It was just, I, I, it was special. And, uh, yeah, when, uh, I, when, I think what it was, was they decided they weren't going to carry it anymore. So there was one last push where it went on sale and I ate a bunch of them because they were just, yeah, I guess they were just too expensive to sustain on the McDonald's menu. But, uh, someday I, I ought to see if I can find what was in that sauce because I'm sure it's something really simple and, uh, that just slapping on a McDonald's uh, quarter pounder, and uh, I'm back in business. No, and uh, we're down to the wire. Uh, Frank Edward Nora awaits our ears, uh, and me, I am enjoying, uh, and I discovered the secret of the Andes Cherry Jubilee Thins, and I think the secret of all of the little Andes chocolates. And for those of you unfamiliar, it is a brand of candy, and it's these like little flat, individually wrapped, eeny beeny, uh, like candy bars. They usually have chocolate. Sometimes there's mint inside, uh, there's all kinds. But uh, because of Valentine's, they've got these cherry jubilee thins out everywhere. And they're cheap. And, yeah, they're great. And the secret. Yeah, I told you I know the secret. I was, I thought I tasted it. And then I checked the um, ingredients. Yes, the ingredients of the Andes clearly state that there is malt dextrin. Yeah, that malt sugar. Just little, little fragments of it, that which is the texture that you can feel when you're uh, consuming these yeah malt is the secret weapon of the andes weird facts from a weirdo right here on your uh, overnight scape central and uh, with that um let's see what frank has to say on the origin of weirdos i have theorized a lot about the seeming uh distribution of personality types uh in any in any group of people, right? We we've talked in the past about uh, each high school has you know uh, jocks and nerds, burnouts, the Dungeons and Dragons club, um, the band geeks, you know, um, the cheerleaders. But it always sort of seems that couldn't there be? Would would it be possible that there could be a high school with no jocks, like no one had any sporting ability or desire, right? Or a school with no burnouts or weirdos, you know. Um, it seems like there's always a sort of a, a, a roughly even distribution as if there's some, what is it, what is it, what makes you into one of these types, right? So I really don't know. I'm sure there's been some studies done on this, but it just seems to me that uh, at one point, 
the purpose of human beings was to be able to exist in very, very flexibly in very many different situations as small or large societies, right? So in order to do that, you need a variety of personality types and the weirdo being one of them, right? You need sort of the born leaders and hopefully more born followers. You need the people that uh, will be the muscle, the fighters, right? The farmers, right? The, the people doing the very basic tasks, right? And then you need people that can do more detailed work like planning, long-term planning, the more intellectual types, right? Uh, figuring things out, developing strategies. And you also need the dreamers, the mystics, and the artists, right, to not let any society get too, um, get too set in its ways and always be searching for the next horizon, right? The idea being that any group of people facing, and I'm talking about in any kind of situation, environmental, other societies, other things, you do need this. You could even look at a high school as sort of containing the same set of specialists that you would need in any kind of society to ensure their survival. Um, so how does that work? I don't know. Is it basically, you know, like when, you know, the, uh, then, you know, you've always you've seen those things, when how a baby is formed, the sperm insert goes into the egg, and then a process happens, and there's a 50-50 chance. It could be male or female. But maybe also at that point, being a jock, a nerd out, nerd out, burnout, a nerd, you know, like a, a band geek, like the, all those things are determined also at that time, right? With a certain spread of uh, possibilities. Puffing on my cigar here. I'm actually going for a walk. I'm so happy I'm going for a walk. It's actually quite warm. It's in the mid 50s today here in New Jersey, though it's still mid-February. I've been lamenting my lack of walking, so I'm happy to be walking. But I think you see what I'm saying, right? That it is still kind of a mystery, but it does make sense. So from the perspective of, you know, the two broad categories, evolution versus creation, perhaps not the creation you're thinking of, I think about, uh, you know, the, the origin of humanity could be the evolutionary route of the scientifically minded could be the uh, created by God thing or could be created by beings with in possession of higher technology right so perhaps most perhaps not the God one because why would God want to create a situation where there's these different types of people when it I mean, variety is the spice of life, but it does cause a lot of conflict and stuff. From the evolutionary perspective, any society, any, any group of people that had this mix of types of personalities would have a tendency to survive more. You see what I'm saying? Then if you had a society that was all sort of like jocks and type A personalities, right, they may not survive in the long run. And from the created by technology standpoint, 
Well, one theory is that humans were designed to sort of colonize distant, deep dimensions without any support from the main societies. That is, um, populations of a few hundred to a few thousand would be inserted into these uh, remote locations and with some higher level advisors uh, to get them started would be able to thrive, build cities, build roads, start mining operations, etc. with these different personality types. So then we get to the weirdo, right? Uh, I think that it's always hard to kind of define what a weirdo is. Now, weirdness, it's on the cover of the book, The Onsug. Uh, my, one of my favorite topics is, you know, weirdness, I think, covers the occult, the mysteries of the universe, strange artistic endeavors, and all everything like that. Um, certain kinds of minds are very satisfied with mainstream media, music, TV shows. They're satisfied with the mainstream explanations for things, and they don't want to think that much deeper. I think that weirdness in the world we're living in talks about the fringes of, of uh, these topics. Uh, in terms of the arts, of course, gravitating towards the strange, the obscure, the less, the less known. And in terms of the uh, explanations of things, politics, spirituality, philosophy, also uh, being attracted, being kind of bored by and unsatisfied by the mainstream and seeking out the edges. I think that is part of what makes a weirdo, because I think that not even in our, you know, politically correct, sensitive times these days, but I don't think you would ever consider someone a weirdo, use that term specifically for someone that was necessarily different, right? Someone that was born with lesser mental capacities, right? Someone that's developmentally disabled. They might seem strange in their behavior, but you wouldn't necessarily, you would not call them a weirdo because it's not, it's weird. I think that it's weird. I do think that the term weirdo is not just someone that's different. If they can't help it, right? You would not call them a weirdo. There seems to be inherent in the term a deliberateness about it. That is someone that is completely aware of the of the mainstream and how they're sort of expected to, in general, stay in mainstream areas and all aspects of life, but are attracted to the fringes, realizing how it could alienate them from society, but making the choice to focus on the fringes. You see what I'm saying? And, and thus become a weirdo. I think that's more of the case. I think people that have mental conditions or physical deformities, uh, all that kind of stuff, I don't think those people can be considered weirdos. It has to be uh, a person who is essentially given a choice, right? Just leaping in here real quick. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, that's at least how I, that you're, I'm right on the same page. 
And like I said, this could be a cultural difference thing that uh, we are hitting with this. But uh, And the other thing, yes, also too, that humans, no matter what size group we separate or divide up into, they sort into types and yes there is some unseen science of humanity that a certain amount are going to be thieves a certain amount are going to be the religious ones a certain amount are going to be the muscle etc and so forth and every culture it seems to settle into very alarmingly similar numbers you know you can uh, in conversations with people in the way you live your life you know the mainstream stuff is going to make you more friends make give you a better reputation and all that stuff and you could choose to do that it's not like you have to uh, go out on the fringes but that you essentially view the mainstream with perhaps a bit of disdain and gleefully go go to the fringes. That I think is is a uh, sort of a hallmark of how the, I understand the term weirdo. You know, and um, I know that everyone's looking for self identity, and this I think is also related to. Um, what I talked about, like humans are designed in a way, either literally designed or designed through evolutionary processes to um, never be completely satisfied, to always be motivated, not just by the base needs of food, clothing, and shelter, etc., but wanting to be special and be better than everyone else in some kind of capacity. Uh, you know, people that are collectors, for example, they want to have the best collection. Why, though? Why not just sit and just relax and not, don't worry about anything? It's because we have this inherently in us, this urge to be special and be different, which I think without that, uh, societies, people wouldn't spread across the face of a dimension. They would be very set in their ways, right? So the desire to be special and be different, I think also can be seen as one of these aspects. And I think that those who have that type of mind where they're not so satisfied with the mainstream, they can sort of latch on to this uh, being... I don't know that anyone wants to call themselves a weirdo. It's a bit of a pejorative term, but being um, on the fringes, they, they feel it is part of their identity. Now, I say they, but of course I mean me, because I have definitely been in that position myself, uh, always being kind of exactly what I'm talking about, a person that has always naturally been sort of bored by mainstream stuff, but very attracted to and very interested in the fringe topics, always. And uh, I do think that there are a lot of people who view uh, those individuals who are weirdos oh wow look at the water down there it's so cool standing by like a little waterfall-y thing here <laughs> wow I'm out in the world again this is great um, 
the ripples on the water surface. <coughs> but I think that there's perhaps not the central, and I don't like putting people into groups, but or maybe I do. I don't know. The idea that the like the real mainstream people that you know they're just average people. There's nothing wrong with them. They're not going to look at anyone that's kind of like on the fringes. They're going to look at them kind of like, ah, that's just weirdos, whatever. But I think people that are sort of halfway there, right, in between, look at the real weirdos and kind of um, respect them and want to be like them. And that's where you get a lot of this hipster stuff, which are people that really, really don't have what it takes to truly be weird, but they want to have the outer trappings of it. And I experienced that quite directly in... Uh, when I was on that radio station, WFMU. I think there were some legitimate weirdos there, but I think a lot of them were kind of wannabes. And, uh, you know, they just, it just they, they were just trying, and they weren't really, you know, you could sort of tell that they weren't really that. And, I, again, I feel like I'm, I'm being a bit uh, judgmental, but... This discussion is about weirdos, so, you know, I want to say, uh, I said that it, that, that, uh, being a weirdo, uh, comes with a kind of choice, but I think the real weirdos are the ones where the choice is almost predetermined, you know, like, I don't think that I ever said, oh, should I try to act more mainstream or be more mainstream to, um, To, uh, to try and fit in more. And, you know, I do. And I do don't view myself as just this complete outcast. I do want to be able to uh, talk to and be amongst all sorts of different people. But my interest in the strange topics is not something that I... And, the, and that, that I express it, obviously, doing these shows. Uh, it's not something that is particularly a choice for me. It is just who I am, Right. And I do, I, I know that back when I was an adolescent, um, and I, I did an episode of The Overnightscape called The Pursuit of Weirdness in the 20th Century, I really remembered uh, that there were a lot of things that were considered weird, but they obviously were fairly mainstream. Um, this is the thing, like, Anything truly weird is very hard to define, right? Um, the kids in school that were playing Dungeons and Dragons and LARPing and stuff, I don't know. They're, they're on the weird side, but they're also just following, you know, sort of this group dynamic. Me, on the other hand, as my weirdo cred, I never fit in with any of those groups. I even tried to join the D&D club, and, and I lasted about one day. Not because I like the uh, you know being marginalized like that. It's just sort of, as I said, it's kind of my core uh, personality. Um, and I think that, in a way, that's why, if you think think about it, think about that high school example, and you have uh, the different groups that sort of form, right? And even in the evil farm the movie that I'm almost done with the complete evil farm, which you got to see this thing. 
If you like the evil farm, my God, the complete evil farm is like so much more evil farmness. But anyway, um, even those kids, they were in the scenes of hardcore punk, um, heavy metal, right, hard rock. A lot of them defined their their subgroup by music genres. Um, I feel like I, I, I just, there was never a group that really quite fit my particular personality or interests and it's right so what I'm trying to say is in those high school groups and I guess later there were the goths and you know the different the, the, the drug kids and whatever but you don't really think of there being just a group of people who were just weirdos right it could, because they generally each one is sort of unique in a way though they do gravitate towards one another in some cases but I remember the things I was interested in first of all, being creative and creating stuff, comic books and comic strips and music and movies and writing and all that kind of stuff, but more in weird fringe ways. I think that um, the one thing that I remember that does sort of shed some light on weirdness is the Subgenius Foundation, which is certainly not mainstream, but it is fairly big. Uh, I saw an ad for it in some magazine, and uh, I got their pamphlet. I, I mailed away for their pamphlet. This was in the 80s. And, they're, and they say, like, we're a group for non-joiners, you know. Then they also use rhetoric like, sell your soul to Bob Dobbs and sign here. And I kind of got, I kind of, like, caught, I got it caught on that these were, again, kind of those wannabe types. And... They say they're a group for non-joiners. Well, I didn't join, you know. And again, I'm not trying to... (laughs) It's not fun necessarily to be in this state. But it's not like it's necessarily avoidable, you know. But yeah, I think also through... um, But that, that itself was kind of a the Subgenius Foundation sort of um, was just pure weirdness, like like the graphics they used, weird images. And I know there were some of those videos they produced. I've seen a little bit of them where it's just weird video collages of things and um, where it was just weirdness for weirdness's sake, right? And no, I can definitely sort of dig that, though in retrospect, how much of any of this stuff is organic and how much of it is just sort of uh, planned out. You might imagine if there's sort of a, a world power, the people behind the scenes, they would want to create tracks that they could control for every type of person, including the fringe people, right? Sort of direct their energies and the way they think Hey, look at that. There's the moon during the day. It is weird how no one talks about seeing the moon during the day. I still, even recently, I saw something about how people were like, um, the daytime is when the sun comes out and nighttime the moon comes out. But there, I see the moon right there in the sky. Uh, I think some people might not even acknowledge it or they might ignore it. But here the moon is sort of uh, three quarters full 
And so if you, if you sort of... See, this is an example of me being a weirdo. If you look at the moon right now, I'm looking at it right now, it's actually over that uh, brutalist structure, which is the home of Modern Meadow, the, the vegan leather company. Um, right, and, and they say that the moon is being illuminated by the sun. So I can sort of, if I'm there and I'm kind of, okay, I can kind of see, like, the light side is where the, the sun should be. So if I sort of project a line... And it doesn't seem the the sun is quite in the right position, though, of course, I'm probably intuiting that the two are the same distance away. I suppose the sun being... Anyway, whatever. That's a whole other thing. It's a whole other issue. The nature of the sun and the moon. But anyway. That's where the whole flat earth stuff comes in. Which, again, that's a perfect example of what I'm saying. Uh, d- deliberately trying to uh, put weirdos on a certain track, right? Most people learn stuff in school and they just believe it. I actually rem- remember talking to these people that claimed to be witch- witches. They practiced witchcraft. And I was asking them about what their views were on, you know, the scientific view. Do you believe in the Big Bang and evolution? And all? Oh, yeah, of course we do. But why? You're witches. You believe in magic. Like, why would you necessarily believe in all this? But they just completely believed in that. Mainstream explanation. But I don't know why I've always been very... uh, (laughs) I've always had a, a lot of doubt about that mainstream interpretation. So I sought out information about the nature of the world we're living on. And what did I run into? The Flat Earth Society. Even way back in the 90s when I joined up, when Charles Johnson was still around out in the California desert. I guess he could be considered a weirdo. Uh, He had proofs the Earth was flat, including an affidavit signed by his wife from Australia who who signed a, a legal affidavit that when she's in Australia, she's not upside down. So, uh, obviously that's not a good argument. It's stupid. But what I'm trying to say is, this is a good case where, a good example of constructing something that is uh, essentially wrong, the wrong answer, but the only answer available on these far fringes. Right? Considering somehow the resurgence of the flat Earth society in in the flat Earth philosophy in the, in the, around 2015 or so, that's what someone said. Feels about right. Maybe a little earlier. That uh, there are people out there that are going to question. Maybe three percent, two percent of the population, one percent, maybe a lot less, and they'll inevitably reach this flat earth group which has so many specious arguments they're still going on about if the earth is really spinning at a thousand miles an hour you could travel to Europe in a helicopter just go up a few hundred feet and let the earth rotate under you right well no the helicopter and you are already moving at a thousand miles an hour you know what I'm saying 
So I actually, there was a flat earth guy that emailed me to be on the show and I, I was going to challenge him with all these other questions and he's like, oh, well, you're one of those Charles Johnson uh, flat earthers. I can't talk to you. you know? Whereas the real explanation is something much, much weirder and much deeper that I've been trying to figure out as much as I can in my daily life. It's not my main pursuit, but I do find it to be very interesting to me and something that's important to me. I do want, I don't buy these explanations and I would like to know. I guess that makes me a weirdo. I don't know. But I did gravitate towards weird music. Um, I mean, I was into the residents. I guess they weren't that mainstream, a little bit into the residents, but they're another group that's sort of very deliberately trying to be weird. Like, one aspect of weirdness is to just wear weird costumes and stuff. That itself is, uh... It's more, to me, that's more like a theatrics kind of thing. To be different, just wear, wearing a different costume. So they, they wore like giant eyeballs on their heads and I'm not trying there's nothing wrong with that but it's it's sort of a very surface level weirdo thing you know real weirdos can't be defined so easily but what was some of the other music I was into like uh, Laurie Anderson uh, her music was definitely strange but it also was good music like, when she, I recently watched a clip of her on David Letterman where she sang her song, Walk the Dog, using a vocoder. Now it's time to walk the dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel so bad. I feel so sad. But not as bad as the day I wrote this song. But her music was out on major record labels, you know. So it wasn't like the true fringes, but it was the best I could find, you know. And I think that uh, also experience it with, you know, other music that's out on major labels, which means it's not really weird. But it doesn't have to be. I'm, I know I'm coming off as sounding like the sort of weirdo purist, but <laughs> um, like the progressive rock stuff, it's it's a case where the music is really good but you can't just listen to it once and and like it you have to spend time with it and get to appreciate it and there's a lot more like to me the best kind of album is an album that um you have to spend a lot of time with right and get to know like recently i've I've embarked on an effort to get into the canterbury scene especially soft machine because i keep hearing about soft machine all the time but the music is very, it's like weird, freeform jazz, it's dissonant. But I could tell if I spend more time on it, it will yield more musical fruit. That is, you'll continue to hear more things in it the more you listen. So, ooh, my bus just went by when I used to go to work in New York. And I may again, I, I have a feeling I will be going back at some point. There's the moon during the day, very blatantly in the sky. It has the same coloration as a cloud. Maybe some people convince themselves it's a type of cloud and not really the moon. 
But I guess the idea is that someone like me that doesn't really accept a lot of these explanations, there's so few of us that are in my position, we can't really upset the apple cart very much. There's a really, on the topic of weirdos, there's a really good music video you should watch. Um, It's uh, Rick Wakeman on an album he did around 82, maybe 82 or 83. And the song is, I'm so straight, I'm a weirdo. And it's, it's really interesting because the song itself is good. It's like, I'm so straight, I'm a weirdo. He's so straight, he's a weirdo. I'm so straight, I'm a weirdo. Right. How does the other part go? And uh, Rick Wakeman himself is playing this character who... Uh, is completely normal in every way. The term straight, I know, can be... Perhaps if you just heard, oh, I'm straight, you'd, you'd assume someone is claiming to be heterosexual as opposed to, as opposed to gay. But I think more in Britain, straight means to be kind of normal, be kind of mainstream, right? I'm so straight, I'm a weirdo. So in British society, he's wearing like a bowler hat. And he's so normal, he's a weirdo. But what's interesting in that video are the other people. So he's a, he, they, I guess they did a casting call for, for weirdos. people, And most of the people, they're weird because they're wearing weird outfits. And in fact, that music video is Boy George from Culture Club, his first appearance in any form of media, apparently, was in that video very briefly. You can see him there, I think, uh, when Rick, Wake, Wake, Rick Wakeman is on the bus. Boy George, I believe, is outside the bus. But it's people wearing weird sunglasses and weird costumes and masks and stuff to sort of represent what weirdos are. People that just dress funny and, and, and dress differently. And in a way, I guess you could say that um, the subcultures that dressed differently, which is sort of one of the main things about subcult- subcultures is that you sort of dress differently and you behave a little bit differently. Um, it makes you more fringe or more weird. But eventually he goes, in the video, he, he goes into his house and into his private sanctum and then he whips off his regular clothes and he's wearing his cape and he starts playing the synthesizers, showing that he really is a weirdo. And Rick Wakeman has been considered a real weirdo. <clears throat> but of course, he's been in some of the biggest mainstream bands of all time, like Yes, for, for instance, and his solo work. Especially, he did, um, was it The Red Planet? He Just last year, the year before, well, 2020 was the year. I can't believe 2020 was two years ago now. But anyway... Um, his, he put out a, an instrumental album sort of based on Mars, the planet Mars. It's really good. He's, he's still really good. He has so many albums. He's one of these guys that has like 50, 60, 70 albums. Good stuff. Anyway, um, I guess we could ask the question, to what extent is a fascination with weirdness making you a weirdo? I think that's part of it. Um, but... I guess I always sort of feel that everything I see in the world, I just feel it could be done better. And that's why I keep looking. All the forms of the arts, they seem to be oddly 
limited and it seems like they could be so much better in some ways. But I can't really necessarily define it. But you can, you know, when you see it in a movie, like I think uh, David Lynch, that's another perfect example of weirdness, like being into David Lynch movies, right? Um, Eraserhead being a good example, really loving a really weird movie like that. But I think that it's another example of uh, a work of art that is, um, it's very well done. And it, and, and it is expressing some a lot of real things, but it's the kind of thing that perhaps the most mainstream of people would be uncomfortable with or just wouldn't get, right? So I guess that brings us to another case. Like, have you ever heard of anyone that's truly a weirdo that's not sort of of above-average intelligence, right? It does seem that being a weirdo maybe this is at the heart of the matter, you know. Um, the way intelligence is defined by the intelligence quotient, which I know is really cha- challenged in many ways, but just in general. The bell curve, have you seen the bell curve? It's this sort of uh, bulge in this graph where at the dead center, at the height of the bulge, is average intelligence. And then most people are of IQ 100, and um, when you go 10 points in either direction, so IQ 90 or IQ 110, there's an even amount of people that are at those levels on both sides. And then as you go further forward and back, people that are at 140 are genius level intelligence, and people that are at 60, which is a severe disability, um, are, there's an e- even number of people. So, could this be part of the weirdo phenomenon is that those with higher intelligence are not satisfied and need more to stimulate their more active minds that necessarily is going to be a bit alienating to everyone on the other side of of that curve, you know? Yeah, I'd say... Posers aside, you're probably right that some part of me is rebelling against that because I I see a lot of wannabe creative people as incredibly not so bright, but that doesn't, who knows? I mean, I'm not sitting here applying any sort of uh, IQ test, and uh, nor am I necessarily a good judge of that. It's really hard to say. Yeah, the phony weirdos and the poseurs of all kinds. And they're out there. And, yep, they want to, you know, you go to band camp uh, and listen just at random. And, yep, there's a lot of it's just not... And that's fine because, you know, they're cutting their teeth and I would hope they're having fun, and this isn't some form of self-torture on top of whatever it is that's torturing them enough to want to be uh, recognized as a creative person. I mean, boy, it could get complicated uh, when you have a longing for something. You know, and the subgeniuses, dear God, that also didn't work for me. 
I, it's 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 really a Johnny one note joke, and if you can stay, if one note's gonna, you know, like some people can collect Chinese stamps, and they collect Chinese stamps, and that is what they do and you met them in the 1980s and you bump into them again now and they collect Chinese stamps and they're they're expert they have a field and they are at the somewhat I guess they got to be happy but what a subjective weird word uh, but yeah, subgeniuses, and the, unfortunately, uh, that the, the people who uh, created it uh, started making money, and once again, there's nothing like profit motive to ruin the goodness in almost anything. I think we can all agree on that. I mean, God help us all if suddenly there became some profit motive and competition between all of us on this channel and oh boy just human nature is so weird so i don't know if that's a, an explanation for it either um but it does feel very tribal like the smart people versus the dumb people or you know the cool people versus the lame people i don't know philosophically i don't like those uh those labels, and I don't want to ever look down on someone, no matter what, but uh, it does seem that you could have a society where it's acknowledged that there's people of different uh, levels in all ways. Intelligence levels, aesthetic levels, somatic levels, you know, to do with the body, emotional levels, etc. We know this. We, You can see Society is made up of this spectrum of individual archetypes. Uh, why then wouldn't you want to structure society to say uh, and to accommodate all types of people, uh, which would seem to be the logical thing to do, to acknowledge these differences and embrace them which is, I know what a lot of people say, let's embrace our differences, but mm, they don't really. So those people who are now considered weirdos would just be considered another of the many groups of people that are out there. But I think it's also a very human trait to sort of look at greater than or less than in many aspects and be very angry about it and be very resentful of it, right? Like somatic, on the somatic side, your, both your uh, base physical appearance and your fashion sense and that kind of stuff, you know, that's something I've always felt very deficient in and sort of just accepted it, but still kind of annoyed by it at some level. Uh, and I also think if we start saying, I think, I think it, 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 it does have to do with how these things are defined. Your person is more intelligent than that person. Well, maybe you could say they just have different types of minds. One is not better, one is not worse. 
but it seems the society is marginalizing anyone that is outside the mainstream. And this, I think, is just probably uh, in a uh, for the purposes of control. Right? You can maintain control over a society by keeping everyone at each other's throats, divide and conquer. So that's why people that are interested in more fringe topics and maybe more intelligent are called weirdos, <laughs> you know, and are and are, and are meant to be sort of lumped in as just some sort of outsiders. Uh, a weirdo is a uh, an unknown element. See, that may be another thing: is that a lot of people, when you meet them and interact with them, you can really pretty much know most of what there is to know about them that's important they become very predictable but the weirdo variety of people are not so predictable because you can't understand them as well and could that be at the heart of this whole thing that when you're interacting with other people or know about other people, you want to be able to completely understand them and in a way predict how they'll react to different stimuli. And the, the far fringes, the people that may be called weirdos, will be much less predictable. But I guess uh, on the other side, there is a type of weirdo that is embraced by the mainstream, which is the the archetype I like to call sort of the happy idiot. Someone who, I think like Pee Wee Herman, the character Pee Wee Herman played by Paul Rubens is a great example of this. He's kind of uh, innocent and childlike, very eccentric in his manner of dress and his speech patterns but in a way that he fits into, he becomes predictable because he's uh, of this archetype. And so there are these weirdo, um, weirdos who sort of take on this kind of uh, happy idiot role because it makes them more relatable. You could say, hey, I'm on the fringes, but I'm also kind of an idiot, so you can relate to me more. Right, and I think another person that fits that uh, bill is uh, Donald Trump. Right, in his uh, what do people say about him? He's stupid, but he's very confident, and that sort of defines a happy idiot. And and I think that people really embrace that character because you might think Donald Trump would be very off-putting to the mainstream, especially the group, the politically right group, you might think would dislike Donald Trump. Doesn't seem to be one of them. But he adopted this very carefully crafted, um, what I would say, heel personality. And what is a heel but a happy idiot? Someone that is kind of a jerk and an idiot, but they're very they're not really aware of it and they think they're cool, right? And as long as they can project that, they seem less threatening and um, obviously wrestling and the whole carny background of it 
um, deals with people's perceptions, right? Good guys, bad guys, characters, right? The faces that are the good guys, the heels that are the bad guys, but they're always very boastful and silly at some level, right? And I guess, you know, I would say that in a way on, uh, you know, my, when I do shows like this, the, when I'm on Central or when I do my show, The Overnightscape, I think I, I am sort of taking on that type of uh, persona, perhaps subconsciously to some extent, um, because my goal is not to uh, be so fringe that I'm... Um, off-putting to people, I, I, but I think that by sort of adding this kind of silly, hyper kind of persona to everything, and again, this is not something that's calculated, it just sort of feels very natural in terms of, a, as we all are here on the channel, we're performers, right? We're performing. So I think that, uh, and I think I picked it up from many people who, you know, especially like stand-up comedians and stuff who um, have to sort of play that role as well um, as, as, as sort of a, a surface persona in a way to contextualize their deeper, weirder persona, contextualize it for a more, a more general audience, right? Does that make any sense? <laughs> but that said, I do like performing in that style, in that vein. Um, because it's not, I wouldn't say it's fake, it is simply um, adding a, a layer on top of just my true self, right? And again, as I say, I don't dislike that stuff. I don't dislike the mainstream. And I, and I am very mainstream in a lot of ways. I work for a major corporation, you know. I, I, I work on the website of a major corporation, you know, and... We're friends with a lot of people on our block here, which is great, and we hang out with them, and they're, you know, different personality types, but I wouldn't say any of them is sort of, they're not like weirdo people, but so I can't, I, I'm not like completely, uh, you know, ostracized. And I think, you know, sometimes I'll talk, we'll talk about conspiracy theories, you know, like Paul is dead, and they find it amusing, you know, they don't ever believe it. I'm talking about the neighbors and stuff. But they find it kind of amusing that there's a persona personality type that kind of finds these types of uh, theories compelling. They sort of find it funny or cute at some level, you know. And I think also do respect the intelligence sort of interwoven into it. And as I say often about our archive here, I do feel like there's a percentage of the population that would really dig what we're doing here. It's a very small percentage, but there's because there's so many people, that means there's a lot of people that are into that kind of thing. Again, a few percent, two or three percent out of the population, perhaps, that would have those uh, the, the base uh, um, aesthetic to kind of uh, dig what we're doing here. And that's a lot of people. And I've always said, we just want, we want to reach those people. I'm not trying to force it down the throat of everyone, you know. But yeah, so much of it intersects with the perceived, when I'm talking about tracks, right? People 
the, the essence to define people by certain characteristics. Either the way they dress or the way they talk or the things that they feel are important, but think of them in groups, right? And whenever I think a person's encountered who's sort of harder to define, there's always this attempt at many levels to kind of figure out what group they belong to, what grouping they belong to. But where do these groupings come from? Some of them are natural, but it feels like some of them are concocted and unnatural. But I think the heart of a lot of weirdness is simply um, a mystery, right? When we think about weird topics, conspiracy theories, philosophical topics, investigations of fringe subjects, right? They're all like puzzles to uh, engage the mind of those that whose minds aren't satisfied by mainstream discourse. So is weirdness just a kind of a, a kind of entertainment for those that are at that level of that persona type? Because I feel a, sort of in conclusion of all this stuff, I kind of feel like what I find most important is this sense of connection with the shows we do here that we're connecting with someone. I know that listening to someone like Gene Shepard uh, is is so satisfying to me at so many levels because he was someone that also had a, a, that same kind of mind. And hearing someone else talk about the stuff that you find interesting is very compelling, right? So in a way, what we're doing here is we're just, uh, in a very human sense, connecting with other people that are at this particular persona type. This is always, weirdness and weirdos is always a, a difficult topic, a difficult uh It's difficult to really pin down and define. But I like it. Back to you, PQ. Thank you. Thank you for everything, Frank. And, and yeah, I mean, it's just, it's the nomenclatures and all that aside, um, it, it's, we are a culture of weirdos, at least those of us who stand out in any way can be seen as such and like i said i i celebrate it uh somebody thinks of me as a weirdo uh my answer is yes of course and i'll just move on uh but all that aside a great show uh i i this was uh, doc chad uh, eddie frank thank you so much for making this, this this was a big, good, uh, boy, we even topped the three-hour mark for the first time in a couple of weeks. And uh, that, 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 that makes them meaty. Once you're past the three-hour point, uh, you are either uh, uh, devastatingly putting people to sleep or uh, meaty. And uh, I think this one is meaty. Um, there's a lot... Uh, to uh, work through here and some of it might even bear some repeat listening so uh, do keep that in mind uh, that the onsug is huge and it allows you to, to go back maybe not next week or tomorrow but next month 
or share it with a friend. And, and they don't miss anything. It, it's not like you heard something on the radio and it's gone. It's there. Oh, man, the wonders of it all and the technology. And, and just the ability to hear in a, a public uh, conveyance discuss weirdos with you. And uh, your chance to be part of this magic happens again every week and uh, i'm here to invite you to next week's gathering here on the overnight scape central and here's how it works uh we are going to have a deadline of february 22nd 2022 well that's almost a poem in and of itself yes on february 22nd 2022 uh by evening time if you get me a file on the topic that I'm about to tell you is the topic, um, you will be included, and you are personally invited by me, P.Q. River. Um, join us. And the topic next week, um, we compare uh, our uh, prowess with a pen or discuss writers. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about rights, which is, of course, W R I T. E S. Uh, I mean, if you'd want to go on on any other kind of rights, I suppose uh, we're always flexible. Uh, go ahead, but uh, I will be using the W rights. Uh, at least that's my intention uh, as uh, my jumping off point when we get back together here next week. Uh, the email address. Uh, for your contributions, as always, is kpqr.torc at gmail.com. I'm going to repeat it, kpqr.torc at gmail.com. And uh, send comments, um, to, to say hello. And uh, I'm sure, I'm sure you uh, either read stuff by writers or you write stuff for readers potentially and uh, either of those things or the discussion thereof is fair game and digressions uh, count um, it's, it's an overnight scape central rights 2022 right here next week and uh I hope you'll join us at the very least to listen in because, uh, yeah, th this is some great listenings, I, I, I must admit. And uh, since it's gone on too long, I will not drag this ending out except to say, set the controls for the heart of the fun, would you? <laughs>